Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey guys, it's Bert. I'd like to ask for a small favor. If you plan on buying my book, Life of the Party, then please pre-order it at BertBertBert.com. The pre-orders are literally the deciding factor on how well the book does opening week, and how well it does opening week determines how well the book does overall. Writing this book is one of the proudest achievements in my entire life, and I want to share it with as many people as possible. You pre-ordering it will help me do that. So do me a solid, pull out your credit card, go to BertBertBert.com, and pre-order Life of the Party. Thank you. I love you. I love you with all my heart. Today's guest, stand-up comedian, New York Times best-selling author, and regular on Chelsea Lately, my friend, Jen Kirkman. This is Oh, me too. Okay, good, good. Perfect. How else would you talk into a mic? No, no, no. Some people have like the arm, and uh, and it makes oh, it feel no, no, professional. No. Oh, look at your Letterman thing. Oh yeah, Justin Stangle stole that for me. Oh, he did. That's yeah. so nice. I was just He's, thought, oh, maybe they give you your cue cards when you're done. No, I was. Uh, we got done, and I fucking awesome. I was. I remember Barry Katz had. Uh, were you ever repped by Barry? No, I wasn't. I missed. I wasn't in New York, or I don't even know where you had to be, but I wasn't in that world. I think. Yeah. Too young. Uh, really? I'm trying to make it seem like I'm a lot younger. Well, I'm 39, <laughs> but I just never got in the Barry Katz wave. I don't think. Wait, I, I, I don't even s- think he knows who I am. I want to start by telling a secret. Oh, what? So. Uh, and I'm sure you've heard this somehow because everyone on podcasts is like a snitch. But uh, Ari Shafir and I were talking about you on his podcast. Oh, yeah. Someone tweeted me that. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it was you tweeted me like, did someone, did I, did I do something bad? And I was like, no. Because I've never, I've literally, and I will say this to the grave. My guest today is Jen Kirkman. Oh, we're recording. Yeah, oh, I yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Um, but uh, I've never, and I will stay like, I will say wholeheartedly I've never said a bad word about you because I liked you from day one but I said to Ari and I was going to say this to you because I think everyone enjoys a compliment the only thing I said about you and I couldn't say this to you in the tweet because it would sound creepy Yeah, I I tried to reply back so you brought me into your couch into your back of your house to do it yeah Yeah, 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 with my wife and kids in the front yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so um, I said to Ari we were talking about um we were talking about Montreal, and I said, can I tell you something? I got in the elevator with t- Jen Kirkman. I was so out of it. I didn't even realize it was you for like was, a minute. I was checking you out. <laughs> like, I oh. swear to God. Ari's like, does she look good? I go, she looks fucking amazing. You were in the elevator, and I was looking at you, and I was like, holy shit, who's this? And oh, I literally so got nice. to your face and was still like, hey, okay. And then you went, hey. And I went, oh, my God. And I felt like such a fucking creep. That's and, great. And that's what I said about you that yeah. I'm sure someone said... I don't know how someone can – everyone, I believe – I told you this. I yeah. believe comics start troll accounts to fuck with other comics. Oh, you think that? I had a friend who used to uh, call and reserve what? 45 tickets to, uh, <laughs> to his enemy's show. I'll tell you the name. Put the mic on the Yeah, I actually knew that. Yeah, and – I and, love that you think that's not going to get picked up. Oh yeah, I'll just edit it out. Yeah, but I, I'd heard that about said person. <laughs> yeah, and it was like – so I like, heard it was only one incident, but I guess it's a – so, so I, but I def, I, oh, I'm not on his, well, it's so funny because I am, 
I can meet people 50 times, have the be- I mean, the best night of your life where you're like, I love this person. And then they can be standing in front of me two days later. And I don't remember. I have a very bad thing with faces and names. I yeah. mean, matching whatever. And I hadn't seen you in years. And, um, also I had just like, I was such a stressful time. I had tweeted you this. I was having like this stressful time and my family was all craziness. I got some weird text and I literally got into the elevator having gotten like a weird text. And I was like, oh shit, I'm stuck up in Montreal. And I get in the elevator with that on my mind. And then I saw you and I usually can tell if someone's checking me out because you can feel. I'm really good at it. Yeah, but you can feel like the, <laughs> yeah. the energy. You can even feel when they're not trying to check you out. And it's always like, oh, let's get me out of this elevator. Yeah. And I could not, I could not even tell anyone was checking me out. Then when we realized, oh, hey, it's you, I thought, oh my God, this whole time he's known it's me. He's been waiting for me to say hi and he oh, thinks no. I'm a fucking dick. Oh no. So then I get this tweet from this guy that was like, you lost some weight. You think you're too good for all the comics. You had ignored Bert Kreischer in Montreal. And I was like, oh you my know, God. I have never, I never said I, that you ignored me at all. I completely believe it. I think someone was just listening to that and doing that. And yeah. it could be a comic. But what was sent to me, he said to me, and Ari got all the credit, was Ari said, Jen's looking the best she's ever looked. So I guess he didn't say that. Oh, it was, fuck you, Ari. Yeah, Ari. No, Ari. I haven't seen him in a while. Ari and Ari and I. Ari and I. I've talked. I've talked about you twice. Oh boy. Uh, once on my podcast a long time ago, and I said I, I remember it was it was we were talking about podcasting beef, and I explained the first time how we met. We oh got yeah, into beef. the improv beef. I didn't have the beef. It I was. Mean, it was a, it was you and wait, Paul beef. No, 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 no. It was me and you. Wait, can I? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We had a beef yes! on guys with feelings. That was the that was the first time I realized people listen to podcasts. So I'd go up to Jason oh. Nash's house and I'd do a podcast. I didn't think anyone was fucking listening. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even listen to them. Oh, because I listened to you tell something. I listened. Right. To, I well, I went on after I did it. I listened to a couple and I was like, and I loved you on the show. Yeah. And then I saw you do stand up, and I, I and I don't know what I said. I'm, I, this is actually a really good story because you. Because we both don't remember what I, I. This is my wife, Leanne. Hi, Leanne. Um, and so I went on. It was, I, 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 it's so long ago. I have a hard time remembering. Wait, you know why you think I look good? Because I look like your wife. <laughs> That's like the ultimate. She's like, look she's like, like a cute brunette. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she has bangs. I don't. Yeah. You do kind of look like my wife. <laughs> I was but, like, wait, that looks like me. All right, go the, ahead. Um, but I did, I, I went up, what had happened was, and I'll be a hundred percent culpable. I was. I'm still to this day. There's a lot of people whose my comedy does not compliment. Right, right. Like, and I, and I, I'm not. I'm definitely. I would like to be past the Paul F. Tompkins stuff. I think he's still. A, a, I think he probably. I know. I know. He, we had a weird interaction. I honestly think that whole night, it was just this night where like the improv was doing this thing. This was back when the improv was. I remember years and years, maybe ten years ago. It was like everyone performed at the improv, just all kinds of acts, yeah. whatever, who everyone was there, everyone was hanging out, everyone was having a good time. Then they would have like a comic go, I'm going to have these four friends or whatever. And then a lot of times you end up picking people who have the same kind of energy. Yeah. And at that time I was going through a phase where I was personally going through a bad comedy phase where I was trying to do the low energy thing. Like my real thing is like neurotic storytelling and blah, blah, blah. And I never thought of it as alternative, like in terms of like, whatever. Yeah. To me, it was like, I grew up watching Richard Lewis and that's what I thought I was like. And I'm naturally like that, but it didn't always work for clubs. And the only time I went to clubs was if Conan scouting, you need to do five minutes and it's so hard to get my thing down to five minutes. Not because yeah. it's like so brilliant, but no, no, I, I can't shut saying. the fuck up. I have a hard time doing five yeah. minutes too. 
Exactly. And so the, the big thing when I first started was these Dimitri Martin people, the one-liners and all that stuff. And I desperately wanted to be part of that. So badly. Me too. So I, I was like, tr- so I did that for a while and I sucked at it. It was just <laughs> someone saying sentences. Like, so I had a really rep as like an inconsistent comic who was still kind of finding her voice. Even after at that point, I've been doing it six six years I've been doing it like 15 now so it's like even at that point I should have been more developed so every time I did a club it was like please don't fuck this up I don't want to be seen as someone who doesn't do well at clubs or whatever so I'm my own trip that night then Paul uh, has Eddie Pepitone on and this is like before he before he got kind of successful or maybe felt comfortable in his own thing like screaming at the crowd it was not working and Howard Kramer's kind of Always looking down and his, the, the, they're I, all hilarious. I was, I was so honestly. Let's, let's pretend we're at therapy right now. Yeah, honestly, I was so excited to be in that group of people because I, I think Eddie Pepitone's hilarious. Yeah, I, I thought Howard was is one of the most interesting people to watch do stand up. Yeah, because he doesn't do all the things sometimes an audience needs. He's not done a lot of do a lot of hand holding. Right, exactly. And I like that because I would get the joke. And then you felt excited that you got the joke. You told one of my favorite jokes because I was going to therapy at the time. Oh, and, yeah. And, and I don't do this joke anymore. But I, love I remember that. you liked it. What your was it? Your friend said, I, you're telling a story about your therapist. And your friend goes, you sound like you go to therapy just to win. Oh, and that's go, right. I'm not paying someone to lose. <laughs> it's one of my favorite jokes. And, that's and, good. And what I, and, and, I should bring that back. And I'd seen Paul F. Tompkins' 30 half-hour special that afternoon. Oh, and I, yeah. and I th- that afternoon that we all worked, and I was like, he's fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, he's amazing. I need to be, I remember thinking to myself, I need to kind of scout out these people and be around what is happening. Because my stand-up is not, it's it's changed a lot, but uh. it's, now I don't even know what it is. But it, yeah. it wasn't, I was trying to be like Dimitri and I couldn't. And so that, <laughs> and so that was the same thing. It was more this energy of what I do now. It's a little storytelling, very vulnerable. Yeah. And so... That night, I was so excited to be there, Aww. and and I got my I think I got my feelings hurt. Yeah, Paul didn't want me there the next night. He had marked my name off the list, <laughs> and I showed up the next night. And the only reason I was there is because the club asked me to be there. Right. Well, that's I think that was the ultimate situation that like you and Paul were caught in the middle of. Is they said to a comedian, "Here's your night. You're going to headline." And you know when you're headlining, you want to be in control of the room, and not oh. that, and not to say he wasn't in control because that would be insinuating that he like can't work a room. But something happened where it was just. Just like the laughs were it's, building. It's, it's like we've all, everyone's it was, been in that. It was exact quiet moment. laughs, but it was yeah. okay. But by the time Paul got on stage, it would have been explosive. Yeah. But then they throw you on. Um, I totally get it. I totally get and it. And you break the room open. Now they're done because a headliner went on before a headliner. And then it doesn't mean you're funnier than Paul or he's bad or everyone's. But different, it's just one of those. Very different things. energies. Yeah. And so then and he I'm gets very on. Pandering and he gets especially on. Especially at the time. And the, but the, but at that, that point, they've already seen like a whole show. So I, I still think he did well, but he felt like. Wait, my, I thought he did great. I sat in the back fucking losing he, my shit. He, I think he did do well, but I think it's one of those things, and I don't have this... Well, maybe I do, because I think I kind of have... I think comedians are comedians, male or female, so you all have that kind of... Even if it's more male ego, like... I think it's like the... Not ego, he has a big ego, but the actual feelings, ego, you're hurt. Yeah. It's like, I'm the man here. This is my show, and I, some other man did it. You know, like... The, so I think it's that kind of thing, and I think the improv did this horrible thing where... They would give these comedians who don't work there all the time a night and then distrust who they booked and be like, we need someone in there to pick this up. And so that was kind of the more like, Uh, either you tell me I can have this night or I fucking can't. 
And so I think that's what it was, was putting his foot down. Unfortunately, you're the cog in the wheel to the improv. Like, no, you gave me this night. We're not adding other people. I don't care if Richard Pryor walks in. Like, fuck off. So I think that was kind of the thing. But I thought, (laughs) I think you had said, and I don't even know if you said it to me, and you might not have even said it, but it somehow got back into my head. And that's what I talked about in Guys With Feelings, that you said, I just... I mean, she should just go for jokes. Or she should go for laughs. And I was like, oh, I am going for laughs. I, all I want is laughs. But uh, I'm yeah. just not getting them. I, maybe you did not say that. No. But something got I'll back you, to I'll me. I'll tell you, I know exactly what I said that that could be, that was construed wrong. I remember, so I said something on, I went to on Jason's podcast uh. and I said, he said, uh, how was, you, I heard you worked with Howard and Jen and all them. And I was like, <laughs> it sucked. I got fired. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I go, Paul, and Paul did, and he said to Jason something very different happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, from where my perspective, Paul told me to please leave. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, he was like, do you need, and he looked at me like, and I know he's trying to be nice, but he was like, do you need money or something? And I was like, no. Do you need money? And he was like, do you need, are you practicing for something? And I was like, no. I was like, to be honest with you, man, they cl- called me and asked me to come down. <laughs> and so then I left. My feelings were hurt. Yeah. So I go on guys with feelings, and I talk about my feelings. And it's I said, amazing. And, but I said, I said, I go, it's such a great show yeah and maybe i was being defensive i don't know but i remember what i said was um jen kirkman is hilarious i mean her act wouldn't work in iowa right and i remember oh that's what it was yeah because it does but because i had just been to iowa and i talked about going to therapy and someone fucking groaned oh. and i was like and that's what i was trying to relay so you so oh so i take it very personally like i can't do the road i'm one of these alternative comics i pile all this history on it it's a bunch of shit and I, but i i had actually said for two reasons, because I did think you were very funny, uh-huh. and I was like, and I was like, and I'd hung out drinking with you guys that night, and I felt like I would be, I become friends. No recollection that we did that. And so, um, and so I, I said, That's you what know, when I drink, um, I go, I, I, I was very complimentary to, to you, uh-huh. Howard, Eddie, and even uh, Paul, and and but then so you go on guys with feelings. So you ready to hear how you you ultimately win this? I say all that, and I don't remember a fucking thing. I download Guys With Feelings. I fly to South Africa. I'm coming back from South Africa. I have a 33-hour flight. <laughs> I put in Guys With Feelings with you because I'm excited because you're one of my favorite guests on there. Oh, did I say something bad? And you start slamming me. And I'm like... No, I didn't. Uh, I know I you, wouldn't have because like, I know you would like, have heard fuck it. fuck you. Woody Allen works in... in I, remember, I remember what you said because I started obsessing and I'm on a plane there's no internet there's no way oh you know what this was this is so funny because you hit on something even by complimenting me that back then was this insecure sore spot for me really yes so that's why I was reacting like that and I'm not just bullshitting this is like real feelings time because and when you said that because you know that joke that you just said I did I think I did it five times and I did it that night, and it was never part of my act. But yeah. I just wanted to see because I was trying to create this persona, like I'm neurotic, I'm whatever. And then um, my life changed so much. But this isn't relevant to that. But I was, I didn't like the. Um, I wanted to be like the neurotic person because I didn't want to be the slutty girl or the whoever. So I was like, I'll just play up my neuroses. And sometimes it would be reflected back to me. That's not mainstream. You can't talk about that on TV. Go back to the UCB theater, which is like a, to the people listening, like a small theater that 20-something hipster boys come out to, and it's like called... It's, it's, it is a really great place to perform. Not anymore for me, but... Really? I bomb all the time. Because I don't talk about things they care about. I talk about like being 40 and 
divorce. You know, they're like, ah. So, but at the time, I was very insecure about, like, I would want, if I talked about therapy, I would want it to come off in a universal, we get it even though we're not in therapy. Yeah. Or she's so out there, like Richard Lewis or Woody Allen. She's so neurotic. I really wanted it. I was organically that neurotic, but I wanted it to be read as different, but loved by millions. <laughs> Instead of every time anyone mentioned back to me what I was doing, I would then get mad because there must have been something not true about it for me. I don't know. Yeah. But it was that comment instead of going, why do you say I wouldn't work in Iowa? And you go, oh, well, I just went there and I said therapy. I actually said, that. oh, my God. Oh, good point. Because yeah. it, now you- I don't want to go to Ireland because I've heard the same thing, that they kind of aren't that into the um, talking about your feelings, like at least in public. That's stereotypically Irish. It's so, yeah, it's like that, what I've heard from friends like who've done Ireland, like when I heard Marin did bad there and, and stuff like that, or I thought I heard him say he did. Um, some people have said, yeah, if you mention therapy on stage, like everyone goes, but they would never say anything. So you're not going to get a woo. Or if you mention, hey, are you brokenhearted? Have you had a breakup? Have you had this? They don't say anything. Yeah. So I, I assume now because I'm so introspective and I try to talk about like, hey, everyone's a fuck up. My grandmother died on the floor alone. Like I don't have kids. I just think they would be like, uh, you know, tell some jokes. So, but I'm very secure in myself and think I'm a good comic and I work the country. But I guess then I was just like little Bambi legs, like so insecure. Well, it was what what, <clears throat> so what, was, what happened? I is- love that. Also, Jason revs you up to slam people. Although oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't win because that was nice. No, it's I I. And here's the beauty of this, and it, and I learned a lot out of that interaction. I learned a lot. First of all, it was my first uh, podcasting beef. Since then, I've fucking through the roof. But, oh really? Oh, oh I don't think I have it. I'm at a I'm at a peak season. Oh, I'm people like honored me. to be part of it. Oh, this, that was my very first one. Oh, and I don't. Really, I would never have a beef with you now. I adore you. It broke my heart because I really liked you, and I went, "What the fuck?" Oh. And what it was was it was me getting out of my and just talking and not thinking yeah. about things before I said things. And I got, I mean, I'm, we're, I, got, I landed in London and mm-hmm. I went to a computer to write you an email to like, or, oh my God, I, like, this is I was like, like international drama. I, I got to London. I had like a th- <laughs> four hour layover and I'm like, I got to write her an email, but I had time on that flight to go, Hey, she heard whatever she heard is real. Like, I remember I wrote you a like letter real to me. Whether yeah, or not, it's real yeah. to you, whether or not I think I said it, I said it. Like you can say what I go. I I really had a growing moment then because I went, wow. I went, whatever I said was real. And Bert, I was like, you need to let go of whatever energy trying to go back and forth with her and just simply apologize because you liked her. You liked her stand up and whatever she heard is valuable like that. You can't deny her wow. feelings. So I wrote you a letter in London. I remember that. And I, I was said, super excited. I said, I apologize. I, who the fuck am I to say you can't work in Iowa? I have no idea. I can barely work in Iowa. Why am I telling you can't work in Iowa? I don't think Iowa? anyone can really work in Iowa. Uh, there's not a lot of clubs left. <laughs> so, um, and so, oh, and then I wrote funny. you a letter and then I didn't get a response. I think oh. I sent it to Jason. Jason sent it to you. Yes. But, but what's great about this is that I'm, I'm going to say like three months later, Four months later, you wrote back and you went, I've been meaning to reply to this and I just haven't gotten around to it. And I apologize because it looks like I blew you off, but I didn't. I appreciate your apology. Uh, Thank you. And I was like... Did I say anything? Like I probably was overreacting. I'm an idiot. I don't remember. I I, I probably could fucking find the email, I'm sure. Oh, I never want to see it. That's such a bad time. But no, but, um, but I was like, I felt so good about it that I was like, I need to own... 
whatever bullshit I put out there. Yeah. Because the, the uh, look, I have real feelings. Like everyone's got real feelings. Yeah. And then and then even Jason was like, you know, Paul said that he you misinterpreted what happened that evening and he wants to talk to you. And I was like, please give yeah. him my email and then he never oh. and then Ari and I Ari and I had a really awkward interaction with him. He was walking down the street and I went to go to we were doing a podcast at the comedy store uh-huh. and I went to go up to apologize to him and try to connect and he blew he walked right by. When was that? Two months ago. No way. Yeah. Because and then, I feel and like then, I've mentioned to you mentioned him to you since then and I feel like he's Mr. Therapized and I think he I think all of us have at some point. Does he still drink? Not like a okay. big drinker, no. I'm still a big drinker. I mean, he will, like, but he drinks, like, with his wife, and I come over, and we have some wine, and there's, like, three people there, you know, like, that kind of thing. It really bummed me out, because I did, I did really, I still, I, you I can't, think, you can't deny if someone's funny. If they make you fucking laugh, I have his, I have his album on my, I mean, for all the, all the stuff that people would think is going on between me and him, I'm almost certain that I have Paul F. Tompkins, that I bought his album. It's so funny, because whenever we've talked about that incident, I think we only did once, it was really about the improv and how he doesn't work. Yeah. He doesn't like to work there yeah, anymore. In person. Oh yeah. I have like I still think he's funny. He's hilarious. Well, I think maybe, um, you know, maybe it's one of those things too where it's like you're. Where were you outside the comedy store on the Sunset Strip with Ari Shafir? I thought he didn't recognize me. He might not have. And 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 we were doing a podcast, and so there and there and he and I was and he was. There's he, a million things. I'm going to be honest, and I'm not putting words in Paul's mouth. He has never said a word about Ari Shafir, but he probably just saw Ari Shafir. Yeah. I was like, don't feel like dealing. I mean, that's yeah, quite a yeah. personality. And you're walking in the street at night. He probably had somewhere to be. I didn't recognize you. I remember you as more of a redhead. <laughs> I swear to God, and I'm Are not confusing you with Bill Burr. In my mind's eye, you had red hair. But that was a long time ago. We were all really drunk that night. Oh, yeah. So I hadn't like seen your face since then. So I didn't recognize you in the elevator. But it's, it's interesting to see someone... Like, especially so I think the if way... you sat down and talked to him, he would be like, dude, it's totally fine. I think he already feels that way. Hopefully, I don't know. But yeah. I just don't think anyone coming at you with Ari Shafir down the street is like, oh, let's have a conversation. <laughs> Ari. Ari was so high. He had eaten like some brownie, <laughs> and I was not. I was drinking beer, mm-hmm. and Ari was just like he was barely listening. And I, I was, I was, uh, but, um, but it's so interesting because then, right around then, kind of like the internet explosion of seeing people. You could, I could, I could see the set you did last night. After right, then. exactly. Yeah. And and you and I, I started seeing you a lot, and then and then you started doing. I want to say you. This seems like a big jump now, but like I think you started doing Chelsea. Yeah, no, I worked. I've been there five years. Yeah, if that makes sense, probably five years. And so, and so, in a weird way, I was always like, "Oh, so like," and only because it's like we had that hiccup, and then, and then, and then we made up, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so glad to see you're doing so well." Oh, good, good. No, no, I never was any. I had so much defensiveness back then, and thank God through all my therapy and stuff, I got. And then you just grow up. Like it's so uncomfortable to do stand up because sometimes you throw something out there, someone sees you, and then that's who you are to them. Whether it's you're not the f- that funny because you didn't get laughs that night, and or it's like that night I wasn't really getting many laughs, but I was like, I know this is funny, but but it's like instead of being like a comic understands that, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm getting judged because I was always judging myself. It was, a, and if I know your listeners don't know me, so I hope I'm sure they do. Well, I would just like to tell them I am funny. You see me live, you'll have the fucking time of your life. No, I, no, you're. I, I love to perform live now. I am so different. I'm just in the audience where it's like an hour and a half show. It's craziness. It's wonderful. I love it. You're, you're stand up, and I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, 
this is going to sound creepy, but I'll say it. Mm. Your stand-up is kind of stand-up where once you watch it, then in a weird way, you can be in interactions in life and then go, God, I wish Jen was here to comment on this. Oh, that that would, that's sense? my greatest uh, – that's what I would want people to say. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of compliment I like. like it's that, just um, – because it's one of those things where it's like um, – I feel like that can really be – like in other words, people will come up to me about Chelsea – because I've written for her for five years on the Chelsea Lately, on the show Chelsea Lately. Couldn't remember the name. And and people come up to me on the road. And sometimes her fans don't quite understand that all the writers have been comedians for like decades. So they kind of think they don't know what stand-up is. And they'll come to a show and they're screaming and wooing. And they think they that you want them to be like, woo, vodka. You know, yeah. they think because Chelsea's thing is vodka. drinking that all of our things are drinking. Like they kind of don't get it. <laughs> So it's not like ideal to have a whole audience of them. It's, it's, like, it's like the Chappelle trickle totally, butterfly effect. We have Raja, a, where's Ross? We have a Chappelle butterfly effect for the comedians of Chelsea lately. And it's only like, but it's like, unlike Chappelle, it's like three people per show. Yeah. And it's drunk girls who leave shots on the stage and they're like, what? And I'm like, I don't do, sh- A, I don't do shots. Yeah. And B, I'm like, I'm not doing them on stage. And now I, you know, I like to, to drink at a club, but I don't bring the drink on stage because it encourages too much. It looks like there's a party going right on. Right now, my fans are going, wow, she hasn't seen Burt work. Yeah. Well, I mean, but if you're fans, but you're the guy. Yeah. So you get the respect. Chelsea's the girl. So like she gets the respect because it's her thing. Yeah. So when you're like the employee that goes on the road they assume you're like her and when you aren't they get upset no. whereas the people that just like me they don't care if I'm drinking or not but anyway my whole point about that was the people that come to shows um, will say to me oh my whole point is they'll say I love Chelsea she tells it like it is now I don't mean this rude to Chelsea but if I said to them what does she tell exactly they would be like oh I don't know but just is she tells it like it is I just like her outlook she's always in their head and that's kind of, I think, how you can get really successful. Like, so I would want that for myself. Like, yeah. oh, I want to see what Jen says about this. Well, I don't have an opinion on corn on the cob. I know, but you might if you saw it. Like, okay, well, cool. Thanks for thinking of me that way. Like, I, I go to Monday morning drop-off at school. Oh, yeah, you told me that uh, one. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I consistently think, I wish, I, I just wish you were there to witness it and just have your perspective to be like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. We're going to stand for 45 minutes as kids get a... Like I like oh because when I said that I was like dropping kids off sounds like the I'd be really good at that oh <laughs> but it takes forty five minutes there was I don't know I I I only uh like I only would yes it takes fucking forty five <laughs> minutes wait I want to tell you something because I listened to you on a podcast and I was like ah oh, I was gonna once again like contact you and then just forgot and I was like. I've got to talk to him about this. If this is real, your um, your fear of flying. Do you still have it? Horrible. Really? Yeah. Have you? Are you working on it? No. Oh, okay. So oh, that I've listened to you on a podcast talk about it. Yeah, I'm fully recovered to the point where. Are you shitting me? To the point where I love it so much that I've had. Um, I'm on hiatus from work right now, and I haven't gone on the road since November, and I'm not. I took a two month break from the road to work on some other things, and then I go back in January, and. I was like, you know what? I had this really bad flight on Thanksgiving going to see my family. I said, I'm not going to come home for Christmas. I'm going to stay in LA. I just don't want to be on a plane anymore. I'm on a plane for work all the time. Then I work full-time in addition. I'm tired. Forget Mm -hmm. it. So then last week, I saw like trails in the sky. like Chemtrails. No, not the chemtrails. Contrails. Just just an airplane, like smoke coming out or whatever. 
And I was like, oh, I want to be up in that sky in the freedom. I love it. So I don't know. I hope you get to where I get to. But How'd you get through it? Well, I took this fear flying class, which is a funny story, but it's not how I got recovered. It's um, I've told it on other shows, so people might have heard I want to bore them. But I took a fear flying class in Boston called Logan's Heroes. <laughs> and it's like immersion into like your fear. So because I was so bad, I couldn't go to the airport. I would start like pan- having a panic attack like in the car. <laughs> and then my dad had to drive me to the classes. I was 21. And I took them the last summer before I graduated college because I was like, I want to have some kind of life. Yeah. I can't be afraid of flying. And so my dad would drive me to the class and I would hold his arm like I had like a, I, I'm trying not to say cerebral grip? palsy, but like, <laughs> I'm trying like, and, like I, I couldn't, cerebral palsy. like I couldn't walk suddenly and I was like shaking and her Parkinson's and that's less offensive. So then he <laughs> takes me into the, into the class, which is in the Delta terminal and you sit in a conference room and there's a parked plane n- in the window, like looking in. And the, it was a therapist that taught it, Dr. Forgione, the short, fat, bald Italian guy who was like the most calm guy in the world. He'd be smoking a cigarette because he could smoke inside then. It was like 96 or 95. God, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he would, he would open the curtains and be like, that's the airplane. Get familiar with it. All right. And he would be like, don't smoke, don't drink, don't have sugar before you get on a flight. Don't have caffeine because it yeah. makes you panic. Yeah. And um, but he'd be sitting there smoking the whole time. And we had every class was different. We had a pilot come in and explain every single thing. Then we had someone else come in. Then week eight, we would sit on a plane, but it wouldn't take off. And nobody would put their seatbelt on and be like, put your seatbelt on. And we'd be like, the plane's gonna take off if you do it. And he's like, there's no pilot here. You the empty cockpit. We're like, fine. Then we did a graduation flight from LaGuardia, I mean Boston to LaGuardia. And everyone was recovered except me. Really? Just from breathing exercises and all this stuff, changing their diet. Okay. And I was still, I was too far gone. I already think I had like panic attack problems. Yeah. So I, that was not what they were having. They, I think there's a big difference between a terrifying panic attack and anxiety. Yeah. Like you can't always get out of a panic attack in the moment. I agree at 100%. Yeah. And sometimes you need a little something, something. So I was in the plane white knuckling it, freaking out. And everyone work. else is having cocktails. Everyone, like it's, oh, everyone's like having it's the best pan, time. The pilot of Pan Am. <laughs> yeah. The pilot got on. He's like, I'm so proud of you people. I, I do terrible microphone work. But he's like, <laughs> I am so proud of you. The rows 10 through 12 are fearless flyers. And people clapped for us and shit. It's like a business flight at 8 a.m. So yeah. imagine you're going to work and all these people are behind you. And the doctor was yelling, start the relaxation exercise, like over the sound of takeoff. Really? We'd have to do these muscle relaxations. But... What ended up happening is I ended up going to therapy just for being a generally anxious person. Yeah. And then I talked about the flying. We got into some fear of death stuff or fear of disappearing or bigger fears. So that's really what it is. You know, it's the ultimate like lack of control. Yeah. I'm going to disappear. So then where does that come from? Anyone in your life ever made you feel like you're going to disappear? You know, is it family, whatever. But now I'm like, I don't care. Great. I figured that all out. I need a pill. So I take Clonopin when I fly. And that's it. And that's it. And now, so my, you know what it's called? Like, you keep going to the airport and panicking. So now that's in your DNA. Now you see airport, you panic. It's like learn. It's like a dog. Yeah. Now, after seven years of going, traveling, whether it's on the road, vacation, whatever, I take a little bit of Klonopin. I used to take way too much, and I'd be like throwing up and falling over. Now I take 
every time I fly, when I leave the house, I take one. And now I associate, because I've done it hundreds of times, like 500 times, now I associate airports with calm and serenity. Really? Because of that feeling that Klonopin is artificially giving me. But it doesn't make you, you could still jump up and help it thwart a terrorist. It's just, I only now take half a milligram, and now I'm so good I can take it right as a plane's taking off. Really? Yeah, now I love airports. I'm all up in it. See, I, I've been, don't you love my fucking yard guy? Comes, oh, I love- <laughs> he's like, I had to come today. Tomorrow's fun. New Year's Eve. I got big plans. <laughs> he's got big plans in the morning? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, uh, I did, I, I went to therapy uh-huh. uh, and they told me I had social anxiety disorder, which I think now I realize maybe I do have a little bit of that. You might. Um, she told me, she was like very, she's like, you have social anxiety disorder. You need to be medicated. I was like, really? I was like, I was like, I don't know about that. And then she said, she started getting into the. I think the fear of dis- fear of death is my biggest fear. I don't right. like. I've like, I actually enjoy looking at planes. I enjoy like I've had a lot of obviously you know working at Travel Channel. I've had a ridiculous amount of access to planes, to private oh, yeah. jets, to I've I've flown Bush planes. I've flown I've flown. I was oh I God. mean like by by. Just oh, are you fucking kidding me? He's got his kid working here. That makes me feel like a fucking horrible human being when he's oh. like ten year old mo- doing my. Oh, yard. is a ten year old? Jesus Christ! Yeah, like you have slave child labor. Yes, th- that's illegal. I feel like Kathy <laughs> Lee. Why are they singing Negro spirituals out there? <laughs> oh, come on, Bert. What are you doing? <laughs> that is horrible. Um, I was a stunt pilot for a day, so I've done hammerhead what? dives. What? what uh, I should be. I me? should be over it. I've jumped out of planes. Wait a minute. I've jumped off of buildings. I (laughs) should be cool with it. By any therapist would be like, you're just broken. I can't fix it. Because I I should be over it. Um, But I I just, it's the fear of death. Is is it when you're in the plane, does your mind start going and then you can't stop your mind? Um, I don't know. I'm usually so drunk in planes. Oh, well, because I feel like drunk is like, that's what I was thinking when I listened to this podcast. Because you're like, I'll have a beer before I get there or whatever. And I'm like, but... Alcohol makes you more anxious. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, technically, like it dehydrates you with their sugar. It yeah. actually is going, your nervous system is working. It's helping your nervous system be. I would take a Xanax, activated. but then the problem is um, with the Xanax is I couldn't, like, say, I don't know. I'm sure this, I'm sure someone's hearing this and going, oh, you sound like an addict. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would take a Xanax, but then I would, like, I'd want to, like, I didn't have anything to do and I felt fine. I wanted to, up it the feeling so i drink a beer on the xanax and then it got to the point where i was drinking you know 10 beers taking a xanax and my sister oh. my sister was like my, my sister the reason i stopped taking xanax this is like 2004 oh, well, yeah was um was <laughs> my like an and just, was my sister refused to pick me up because right. i would be incoherent oh yeah yeah i would be like i sh- i'd get in the car and i'd be like hey, hey, hey. and you were fine on the plane no one tried to kick you off or be like sir we're cutting you off i had one incident and not not incident of getting kicked off, but I had an incident where, um, I, I'm I don't know I'm sure I've told this somewhere, but I was on a flight from New York to Tampa, uh-huh. and I was ha- I was hammered on half a Xanax, and I was sitting next to a doctor, and this is like a Hunter S. Thompson moment. He's got like a medicine bag, and oh, wow. he's just pulling out pills and giving me one, taking one, and we're drinking. What? This and is I amazing. Get, and I get cut off. This is this is pre nine eleven. So I, I get I get cut off, uh. and he tells me he goes, "You're speaking entirely too much." I said, <laughs> I said, "What?" And he goes, "Don't talk to them. Just tap your drink, 
don't say a thing. It's already loud. You got noise reduction headsets. You're yelling at them, and you're and he goes, just tap your drink and say you want to just look at it, make eye contact. So and the tap doctor your drink. was teaching you. So this. yeah, yeah. And I went, wow. So now when I'm on a plane, I don't speak at all. That's I love this guy. I feel like you would get off the plane and they'd be like, "Sir, there was no one in 13A." Like he's yeah. some angel <laughs> that like is just like teaching you how to be a man. Like, yeah. "Here's my medicine bag. Tap your drink." Like that's so manly and like oh. grown up. It's and then and then a baby got sick and they were like, "Is there a doctor on the plane?" And I raised my hand. And he's like, "Shut the fuck up, man. We're hammered." And I was like, "He's a doctor." Oh my god, this and is then, the greatest story. And then we had to do an emergency landing in Orlando. And he came back. He goes, that baby's sick. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, I, I, think, I think she might die. We need to get her to the hospital now. And so he sits down next to me. And the pilot, I swear oh to God, God, the pilot goes, ladies and gentlemen, we're making an emergency landing. We have a sick child on board. And we need to meet an ambulance on the tarmac. You will feel, it's going to feel like we're going to crash. We are not. It's going to feel, he goes, I need you to brace yourself because it's going to feel when we stop that we hit something we have not. These planes are super strong. We can do whatever we want in them, but you're going to feel the power of this plane. And we dove. We dove into Orlando. And oh we and we God. stopped on a dime. And I thought the plane was going to explode. The engines were that loud. And within two minutes, uh, medics were on the plane. They take the baby wow. off. And then we just taxi back out and took off to Tampa. Where did you land? In a field or something? No, no. At just, Orlando Airport. Oh, okay. But yeah, just had, not on a designated runway. Right. Just bam. And the, they were there. They took her off. And when we took off, I was I like, I guess I'm Whoa. confused why if you're already at the airport and it's emergency landing, why you can't kind of coast in? Like, I guess the time is I of think, the essence. I think the time... I think they were above Orlando. They couldn't make it to Tampa. And they just dove down. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I mean, fuck. Yeah, it was, it was intense, but... I was so hammered, I didn't mind. I have to fly to fucking Switzerland in, in two days. I know, you're going to 33 hours to South Africa. Like that, I couldn't... That My thing is, uh, I flew to Australia. I heard about that. Yeah, and you I... You guys did shows in Australia. Yeah, Chelsea lately went to Australia. I guess it's popular there. Um, and my boss came to me and said, yeah, if you don't want to go, we won't make fun of you. Like I, Because I always said, I, all right, I went to London. That was okay. Yeah. I made it. I took enough Klonopin to fall asleep. But I was like, Australia, I can't. Did you have a glass of wine with Klonopin? internationally I do yeah. that's my exception um, locally I don't because I don't get that scared at all yeah. and also I don't like drinking on planes makes me feel nauseous I don't know why I'm getting like as I get older like I'm so intolerant of anything so but then I'm like okay Australia that's like the ocean a lot of the time and there is no place to emergency <laughs> land uh, that, is, that is exactly what I think that is a lot of fucking ocean yeah and I asked the stewardess I was like look I mean luckily they flew us first class so it was very comfortable but I Qantas? was like, uh, no, it was Virgin. Okay. And I was like, I'm very nervous. And she's like, listen, it's six hours to Hawaii. So we are in Hawaii. That's safe. We're right over Hawaii. If anything happens, she's like, if anything was going to happen, it would happen in the first six hours. I'm like, I don't know why. I don't even think she was true. You know, telling the truth. She's like, you're going to be asleep by then. And then you'll sleep eight hours and then you'll wake up. And we're there. Yeah. And I'm like, what if I don't? What if I don't? But I did. I yeah. totally woke up. We were there. And then I was like, oh, I'm fine. But I don't like being in another country and then going, oh, my God, I'm not around anything. What if I need medical attention? The only way to get out of this country is another 14-hour flight. Oh, yeah. everyone, I'm just stuck. Well, I just want to go home. I want to move back in with my parents. Forget showbiz. I don't care. I don't care. I'm just going to work at a cash, cash bank, cashier's checking place. Like, I go crazy. You start. I start seeing uh, this, by the way. I'm not, and I don't think either of us are shitting on our life experiences or our jobs. We have great jobs. Oh, However, no. I look at dudes, I'll go through that same thing, and I'll look at dudes building fences, uh-huh. and I will dream about being a fence builder and yeah. going, that must be nice. You wake up, 
All you got to do is make sure you build your fence. You go home, you have a beer, you sleep with your kids. You you wake up the next morning, you go, I'm just building fences. No one's like, up- if you don't go to South Africa, that's going to be bad for your career. You yeah. need to get everywhere and get on the net and get, a- I mean, like, oh. but yeah, that kind of thing where it's like, you can't say no to opportunities yeah. because then they'll stop coming. So I've never like, said no to anything. It's like, suck it up. Get on the fucking, yeah, I know that night at the improv. <laughs> No, but yeah, so wait, now are you okay? But now I have to fly alone to Australia in March. And I'm like, okay. What are you doing in Australia? Stand um, up? The Melbourne Comedy Festival. Oh, you're going to kill down there. So I'm like, well, now I've got, I've, I have the new frontier flying alone for that long. But it's not that long a flight, actually. It's not that bad. What, uh, what airline? I think it's going to be Qantas. Qantas is but pretty But it's not going to be like business class. It's going to be like the third best. Uh, Where you're like sort of laying down, but you're mostly just yeah. It, that's not that bad though. My climbing. my sound guy flew that, mm-hmm. and he's like six four, and he said he was fairly comfortable. I um, oh okay yeah. Um, Qantas was amazing. The when I went, we flew on the A three eighty. That's the double decker. Oh yeah, this one's double decker. Monster. I think. I'm flying the. I always fly the double deckers and fly on the top. Silent, silent. Um, oh. But uh, the A380, the guy, I, I, we did an interview on the plane first, and we toured the plane and saw the cabins and saw like the sleeping quarters. It was really fascinating. This was for your job, right? For travel channel. Oh, yeah. okay. I was like, for, yeah. so you just get a private tour whenever you want. No. <laughs> Excuse me, I need to see the plane before you, I commit you, to booking a ticket. Are you airline loyal? No, I, I am with Virgin America because oh, it goes to Boston. Because it goes to Boston, it goes to New York, and I go there. I go to New York like four times a year just for no reason. So yeah. that way, like most of my flights end up being free. I can bump to first class easily. But I mean, American is maybe. But I have no like points or my. I'm like, I fly anything. I'm. I'll tell you later, but I'm the gangster level on American. Oh, the one nice. where your name is painted on the side of a plane. Like <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I could be like that. I think if I did the road for a living, I would be. But with my job, like I have to sometimes catch a red eye and fly all weird hours to like yeah. not miss a day of work, and it just depends on what airline is flying. You know, I can't be loyal. I saw. I saw when you. I was. I said to myself, "I'm going to do what Jen did," because when you wrote your book, you were like, "I'm going to go to New York. And I'm just going to lock down." Yeah. And I'm going to write. And How'd you know like, I did that? Uh, Twitter. Or I'm oh, sure. oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing, or maybe I heard you talk about it on a... Oh, yeah. I must have talked about it somewhere. I think you wrote a blog about it. Is that possible? Maybe. I probably tweeted about it. Did you write a blog about a bartender hitting on you? Oh, yes. Yes. Which I deleted because everyone go get over yourself. I'm like, no, I'm talking about how annoying it is. And, and I meant it universally. Like, because yeah. I know people get bothered with small talk, whether they're being hit on yeah. or it's just a drunk guy. I was just this guy. I just kept going there every day. And I think he kept thinking it was for him. And it would have been if it was some like romantic comedy and he was like my type. I'm not saying he even was unattractive. It just wasn't a thing. And then he kept being like, we kind of know what's going on here. And I was like, can I just fucking write? Like, yeah. just let me write for Christ's sake. Like people, people get an, I, my old roommate Lorenzo used to get annoyed when he'd see people with a computer at Starbucks, and I go, "Hey, for the record, that's a really great place to write." Like I, I always take my joke book and sit at Starbucks and sit at yeah. the table and write. Start my coffee. I have my coffee. I feel my peak, and then when I get too tired, I'm like, "All right, time to go home." Yeah, I love writing outside, but I saw you do that, and I went, "Oop!" I just got a book deal. I think. And oh, I was nice. Like, and I was like, "Did it come out yet?" Uh no no it comes out May twenty May twenty seventh. Oh my God! It's yeah. what a wonderful thing that is. It's going to be such a great feeling when it comes out. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> it's been. I I really thought uh, writing a book would be a lot easier. It Me was, too. It was. Uh, it was it's not very hard. It was not what I, I like. I just thought it would 
I don't know what made me think it, but but like I think everyone I had known a bunch of people that got book deals, and uh-huh. I known a bunch of people that wrote books, and I felt like I had a lot of really good stories to tell. Yes, and so I was like, I was like. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I go, and in my head, I was like, if these guys that I know have written books, and and and, and except for Jim Norton, Jim Norton actually wrote his book. Uh-huh. No one else wrote their fucking book. They got ghostwriters. Oh, really? I sat in the room and I was like, and and they're I like, know. what makes you think you can write a book? And I was like, well, this person did. And they're like, he had a ghostwriter. I was like, no, they didn't. Wow. And they're like, oh, we published his book. He had a ghostwriter. I was like, what? And they're like, he had a ghostwriter, he had a ghostwriter, he had a ghostwriter. And I was like, and they're like, we'll let you do it if we're the ghostwriter, but we're not going to let you write a book. And I was like, and then it became this like defiant, like my dad was like, buddy, write a book. Yeah, good for you. And so I was like, I'm going to write a book. And so um, I found a, a publishing house that was like, but I guarantee you, Yaniv is listening to this right now. He's my editor, publisher. I don't, he works at St. Martin's because uh-huh. he's a big fan of yours. I guarantee oh, that's you. Awesome. He's, I guarantee you, he's like, Bert, get her to write a blurb for your book. That's the way Yaniv works. I had Mosha over I'll here. I'll totally write a blurb for your book. Uh, but it can only help my book because then I get to put author of blah, blah, blah. Oh, bang. Yeah. Over the title of your book. Don't, 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 <laughs> I'll give you the front page. <laughs> the, um, the, it sounds like such a quality problem, but it's just hard to do, especially oh, if you're a talker for a living like we did are. Did you read Marin's, that Marin wrote a blurb for me? Is that not fucking amazing? Bert Kreischer is one of the great American wild men. His stories track the trials and tribulations of a big-hearted dude trying to fit in, help out, party, and find himself. After all is said and done, we arrive with him at the true humility of joy. Wow. You're like, fucking shit, I Mark. wish I wrote a paragraph Marin, like that in my book. Marin's such a different dude because he wanted to read my book. I was like, no, Marin, you don't need to read it. Just write a blurb. He was like, well, I can't write a blurb if I haven't read it. And I went, I go, hey, we got it. He wants to read it. And then yeah. he read it, and he was like, it was great. Mick Foley, the wrestler, was like, yeah, send me a copy. I'll read it. I was like, I'm, I'm such the kind of student that was like, like if, uh-huh. after this, if someone writes, wants me to write a blurb, I'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll just write a blurb. I'm not going to read the fucking book. Yeah. But those guys read it. I, I like, want to read away. your book. I will get you a copy. I, I will get you a copy. Right books. now, Yaniv is jumping up and down in their flat iron Well, I'm not saying office. I'm blurb. I don't want to bust no. my way, but I want to just read it anyway. Yeah, I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you a copy. But it's one of those things that people don't get. I don't mean people don't get, but it sounds like, ah, shut up, you big babies. You, you, but it's one of those things where if you're a talker for a living, you think, oh, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. Right. You put me on stage. I'll talk for three hours and tell you stories that I'll make them funny by the way I do it. But then you put on paper and you're like, ooh, it doesn't look as good as I thought. It's almost like bringing someone home and you're sober and you're like, oh, you look different at the bar. Like, oh, this looks different on paper. This is <laughs> terrible. This isn't good. And then you're just like, well, I wrote a thousand words today, but they're all shitty. So like you get shit done and you feel worse about yourself and then you don't know if it's good. <laughs> it's so true. You're like crying right now. <laughs> I fucking I started writing my book in Hawaii. I'm in Hawaii and I'm like I'm gonna fucking write this book. Fitzsimmons talks about this dragon dictate. I, I'm gonna do it. I don't know what dragon dictate it's, is. It was this brilliant idea. It just doesn't work for me because uh. I drink. So it's it's you speaking. It's just like your voice. Oh texting. sure, yeah, yeah. So you speak your book. I was like, I'll just speak it and it comes out. I keep thinking I'm gonna do that. Yeah. And I tried my first night. I was like, here we go. This is the time I fought a bear, and I tell the story in the thing, and I'm drinking. I wake up the next morning. I swear to you, all my children, a tooth is gone. (laughs) A tooth is gone, and I can't read any of the words. It looks like it's written in Flintstones. And I'm like, yabba dabba, what? And I'm like, oh, that's it. I was like, I can't write a book. And a tooth was missing. I don't... I had no recollection of how I lost a tooth. And I was like, this is a nightmare. I can't wait for your next book about... 
your sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's coming around the corner. There's uh, <laughs> I can feel the I can feel the 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 light flickering in the back. <laughs> oh, it's so great! But yeah, I'm excited. I'll, I and you're gonna have so much fun in your book. It's just such a nice. People are very nice about books. That's yeah. what I've realized. Really? Yeah, I found my experience to be very nice. People like it. They no one is sitting there with this isn't Shakespeare Russian literature. Like they just want to have a laugh, and if they already know you, they're psyched to read it. It feels very personal. I've got nothing but appreciation from people. Um, on it, couple you know bloggers here and there. I don't like this. It's not real written. I can't even speak. Well written. I'm like, eh, it might not be. Yeah. But that's you know. That's what they said it's about Hemingway when he first comedian. came out. Oh really? Oh, I should tell them that. I I, I, I hung my hat <laughs> on the fact that I would be like I read The Sun Also Rises when I was in college and I was like, I was like this this guy speaks to me. Yeah. He's not trying to be smart. He's telling you what happened, and in telling you what happened, he's smart. Right, because then you're enthralled. You know what he said? I have, um, Chelsea has the sign in her office. I really like it. It's a Hemingway quote uh, write drunk, edit sober. That's a great quote. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's funny because I'm not a big, I'm not like a nerd, like trying to be like a nun here, but I'm not a big drinker only because I just, I try to watch my weight and I get so hungover really easily and then my whole day is blown. So for me, like, Four drinks is like a wild party. That's crazy. I always pictured you as like a drinker. I think because I used to be the person that went out drinking after shows. But that was a lot younger and didn't have to worry about metabolism and I didn't get hangovers. And then once I hit 35, now I'm 39, I just get, it just doesn't work as well for me. And so I don't do it. But, and also like, I mean, just dumb lady shit. Like, just as you get older, like, higher chance of breast cancer, like, fucks with my hormones. Like, it's all kinds of shit that just oh. sucks being a lady. Just like, oh, it blows. So that kind of stuff I just try to think about. But I love wine. So, like, I'll have, I sit down when the sun goes down, because I'm writing another book, like a psychopath. Really? I cannot believe I did about? it again. Well, the first book is about how I don't want to have kids and the way people react to it. I, by the way, and, and, and I, I knew what your first book was about mm-hmm. because obviously I think I read your blog mm-hmm. about writing it. Um, that is, and I, I say this consistently, that is the, uh, I'm going to say bravest, but like it's brave only in the fact that you do get judged by yeah. other people going, well, then what's wrong, wrong with you if you don't want to procreate? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you? Even Joe Rogan tweeted something a few weeks ago that was like, Women who don't want to procreate, like, or like terrify him, like, like they're monsters, you know, like they're mean monsters or something. And I was like, <laughs> it really does like scare people that I don't have an instinct. But, um, but the book is more like, cause there's no book. I don't want to have kids. Like it's, it's one sentence. Okay, great. Who gives a fuck? So it's really <laughs> about like, and it's not like a call to hey, rise up. Everyone don't have kids. It's more just like. I never thought this was a thing. I thought it was as normal as not. And some people didn't, some people didn't. But all through my life, no matter what, people said like these 10 things to me. So it's like 10 chapters kind of taking apart the cliches. And and it's like a silent way to have a memoir. Like I get in stories about dating and my family and all that stuff. But it's really just like, so the next book is about how I'm divorced and it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I didn't know myself when I got married. I'm not saying people in good marriages should get out of them but it's that kind of thing and then just stuff that like makes people feel bad because they don't feel like an adult they don't own a home or they don't have anywhere to go on new year's eve or they don't this like so it's all just about like i think i'm gonna call it like 
nobody uses fine china and other things I learned about what being an adult really means or like, yeah. or you'll need fine china and other lies I thought about being an adult. Something like that. Like yeah. just weird because I have this china cabinet. It's the only thing left from my marriage and I moved into a new place. Everything's new except that. And I just, because I think it's beautiful. I like it, but I never use the china. And it's like, that was something that was such a sticking point in our marriage where it was like, why did we ask for this for a gift? Like my husband was like, I'm like, because you have to have that stuff. Like yeah. I turned into that woman. And now I'm like, oh my God, what was I thinking? How were you got married? 35. And we've been together for five years. But it, it so it, my editor was like, don't make the whole thing about divorce. Yeah. Which I think, I kind of think like, I think everyone would want to read that because 50% of people. Well, are. yeah, you've already got, you've got half of the population yeah. of, right there. She wants it more like the unconventional life of someone who's about to turn 40, who doesn't give a fuck that they are, is living their life, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's, it's just supposed to be for everyone out there who feels like they're not doing it right. Well, there's a lot of things that uh, defined, define my ego. And like I said, when we were talking about ego earlier, it's not like ego, like, but it's like it's like the, the little thing, the little boy inside of you. It's the yeah. same face that when you do cocaine sees the me, your face in the mirror. Have you, oh, you I've never done? done cocaine. I'm uh, such a me nerd. either. Then oh. <laughs> you read about it. You read so about it. I read about it. And apparently, when you, you look in the mirror uh-huh. to do a line of cocaine, it, you see yourself, but you really see your ego. You see, you oh, see God. this. I don't want to see that. You see this guy that that's like. Like, uh, I mean, I just, I just remember having that moment. I was in New Orleans. Uh-huh. I was at my buddy Cayman's house, and and I had never done it. And he was like, and they had a big rock, and they were shaving it off. He was like, listen, wow. he was like, I, I'm just giving you, like, I've known him since I was a kid. Yeah. He's like, a lot of people get addicted to this stuff. It's not like the best stuff, but we, we couldn't. I'm telling, I don't know why I'm telling this story, but we couldn't find ecstasy, and I wanted to party. <laughs> it was Mardi Gras, and me and my buddy Ozzy. But I, and I remember being like this brave guy, like, fuck, I'll do it. I'll yeah. do shit. Can't, like it's uh, the stereotype. I've smoked pot. I've done ecstasy. I did acid. I did mushrooms. So one thing I hadn't done. I, I, I think I'd eaten pharmaceutical. No, I had not at that time. So yeah. I. But I look in the mirror and I saw like Bert. I saw like the little boy oh, who wow. wanted to be good at baseball and oh like listen to Kiss and danced in his <laughs> in his mom's fucking boots. And the like I saw that boy and I went <laughs> I went holy shit. This is it's a real moment. I don't know how we got on this. Uh, but we're talking about ego. Oh, being an adult and not doing normal things. Not kids. owning a home. Oh. oh, yeah. Was like, it was like a, a thing for me. Yeah. And I had, we had had two kids and my wife was working and I was doing the road and nothing was happening. And I just felt like uh, I'm, a fa- I'm a failure. But yeah. the thing was, I wasn't a failure. Yeah. But it's that superficial thing that society puts on you. Yeah. Where you're like, hey, you don't own a home. How, you don't have China. You've been divorced. Like all these things where you're like, yeah, and I'm a lot fucking happier. And I see people, yeah. my wife had a bunch of friends that had kids that only had kids because that is what they were supposed to do at that age mm. with, they had uteruses. Why weren't they using them? Right. Like, and so, um, and I would say a solid half should have never had fucking kids. Oh, yeah. Never. There, I can tell you one person distinctly that only had kids because everyone else was getting pregnant and they didn't want to go to the party and not get pregnant. And that person does not belong with a child. Yeah. And, and, you, and would be so much happier. You can see it sometimes if someone just doesn't have the instinct. My friend said to me when she changed her mind and decided to get pregnant, she's like, I think you'll change your mind like I did. She was 40 and I was 36. And she's like, I think you're going to change your mind like I did. Is so this, let me. Is this Chelsea? Okay. No, oh yeah. <laughs> she loves to have babies. And my friend goes, you have to, um, I want you to get to where I am. But I don't want you to wait till you're 40 because it's really hard to get pregnant. So 
if I could just get you to have a baby now, we could raise our kids together and that would be ideal. And I'm like, no. And she's like, but you're going to change your mind. I'm like, I'm not. Like, I just feel it. Like, <laughs> it sounds like tattoos at spring break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's do it together. Yeah. But I also feel like that's what women do to each other. And sometimes it's lovely. It's bonding. It's tribal. But I'm the, I'm the, and I've, I've even had male comics like, and, and, you know, I, I remember, and I love the Sklar brothers, but they were saying stuff to me about, you know, that they feel bad for me if I regret it and that, you know, there's no, no joy of coming home and having the kid run to you. And I said, but for the female comic who is the mother, so I have a different like hormonal connection with the kid, which I think is probably a little more intense, at least at the beginning. And I'm, you know, at the, on the road and the kid is coming like, that's, I don't want that. No, it's, and it's not, look, I'm going to, I'm going to try to say this without sounding like, I'm sure there's someone that's going, well, Bert, you're just agreeing with her. You have kids. Tell her the joys. I, I will say that. Oh, of course. I love my kids to death. However, there is a vulnerability that as I'm opened up to that I'm not comfortable with. Oh, interesting. And and I never knew. Like I I, I try. I think I'm, I tried to write a joke about it, but like I used to be like a regular dude. Like yeah. I could do stuff that regular. Like my buddies were all coming in for the BCS championship with Florida State and Auburn. I don't even know what that is. Uh, football big, big football game. Oh, okay, I guess right. The championship for college. Okay. My college is playing Auburn, and they're all they're all coming in. My buddy Eddie and my buddy Hatterman are like, uh, we're coming in. Uh-huh. Uh, three hundred fifty dollars a ticket, sixty five dollars a party bus. We're gonna try to go to the Playboy Mansion, and <laughs> and it's gonna be fucking insane. Now I know I'm putting a pin in. We're gonna try to go to the Playboy Mansion. I want to get back to that. Go on. <laughs> These two morons will pay twelve hundred dollars to go to the Playboy Mansion. I don't think we're gonna try to get in. They're yeah. just like burr, 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 here yeah. comes the party bus. Like neither of can them. Can you just roll up and try to get in? Just like it's a quiet night. It's movie night with Hef and his two girlfriends, and you're just like, we have two grand. Let us in. He's like, we just made three hot dogs. There's nothing. I want in. Like, what do you? What do you mean they, trying to get they in? They get. They uh, they're. Thankfully, they don't they don't know what a podcast is, so they'll never listen to this, yeah, Eddie yeah. and Hatterman. But Eddie and Hatterman <laughs> will uh will pay like twelve hundred dollars to get a ticket to the Playboy Mansion. Oh, I didn't even know you and could so do they'll, that. They'll have like a party and oh. usually it's like they'll schedule their trips out right. for when that party is, and then they'll hook up with some girl that wants to be a playmate. It's it I, I, hopefully they are listening to this and they know just exactly how sad I can tell them how sad that is, and they go, Yeah, you're not fucking tons. You're fucking a- <laughs> A seven in Valley Village, right? Like, that's right. the way my friends are. But the, so, but they're emotionally vacant. They really are emotionally vacant. Yeah. But but I look at that joy. Like they picked me up. I was in Atlanta. They live in Atlanta. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll, if you ever go to Atlanta, I'll have uh-huh. Hatterman one night. I don't know if you're single or not. Have him take you out for drinks uh-huh. and show you around. He owns a lot of bars. One of the funnest guys. You will literally say this guy is the greatest guy. He's go- really good looking. Why can't I? Go- I'm single in the sense that I. In the box, well, actually, I say there's single, divorced, married. So I'm divorced legally. Yeah. Single in the sense that I don't want a normal relationship. Right. Like I just sort of have situations here and there. And uh, that's what I'm doing for now. I'll hang out with this guy, but I probably wouldn't hook up with him. He's like, get raped. He's, <laughs> he's safe. He's safe. <laughs> oh, okay. He's, but Hatterman is uh, like, hey, pick me up in Atlanta and mm-hmm. they, he's got a Range Rover. And I'm like, and I, I know how much that costs. Yeah. And I'm like, <sighs> what does he have this money from? Yeah, well, he owns. He, all, all the bars. He owns this bar called Tin Lizzie's. It's like the big bar in Atlanta. There are like seven of them. And he owns well, all of them. I was just in Atlanta last year. I had, no, I had no one to hang with. Oh, he's a lot of fun. <laughs> He is a lot of fun, but he's, you know, 
And my point is, they all come out to LA, and I was like, I, I will be the regular guy I am with them. But there is a change in my personality. Yeah. Now I'm the kind of guy that like, like the other day I'm sitting in a hotel room and I'm watching the Time Traveler's Wife, and I start sobbing uncontrollably. Yeah. Because I think that's me. I don't see my kids, and oh, but yeah. like that emotional vulnerability it opens you up to. I'm not really entirely comfortable. I feel with. like I'm like that anyway. And now maybe it's a 20 million times more level, but I have this. To the point where it's too much. I'm trying to tamp it down a little because I'm so fucking sensitive. And so, you know, like see a person eating in a restaurant alone, I'm bursting into tears. Or the way I feel when my dad got really sick this year and hit his head and was getting surgery. And I just sat by his side eight hours a day reading like he didn't know who I was or anything. And I was just sitting there like my guts were busting open and this nurse wouldn't help him. And I just went over to her and I was like, that's my fucking, fu-. got in her face. And I was like, it's fucking health care, not health. Ignore my father. So why don't you fucking realize this is a fucking human. And you, are I, the, you are this definitely the wrong person to tangle with. Oh, I was, I, I was back in Boston, you know, like, <laughs> so I was telling my girlfriend this and she goes, don't get excited. Not gay girlfriend, just friend that's a girl. And she goes, <laughs> Oh, see that maternal side, you'd be such a good mom. I go, No, that'd be a terrible no. mom, but I'm good with the world. Yeah. Like I'm I'm good with the world. I love like whatever. I'm in love with everything and I'm yeah. very sensitive. But I but I know what you mean. A lot of guys are like that. They're like because I think a lot of guys do go from like vacant partying to fatherhood. I and think sometimes women are more like in the middle. A lot of women I think rest at like at like a seven, yeah, and then motherhood's ten. Mm-hmm. I think, dudes, I showed up. Yeah, you're at right. A Rest one. at seven, motherhood's ten. Yeah. I, I was at a one, and yeah. then all of a sudden, I'm in this. I, the, I'm just a different dude. Yeah, and then and then it starts growing on you, and you become that def, that different guy, and it just shows up. And there's a lot of times where I go, you know, like like Georgia got like, uh, I can. Leanne will be pissed, but Georgia had her first panic attack. Your daughter? My daughter. My daughter. How old is she? Nine. Oh no! It's because she learned it from you. No, no. Oh. Well, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. But I have an I have an allergy to uh, certain foods, uh-huh. and certain foods will cause anxiety attacks in me. Oh, interesting. And Georgia had that same food, and I avoided it, thinking I don't want a panic attack tonight. But Georgia had it, and oh. so I. But you didn't um, know she was allergic to it yet, right? I didn't. I didn't know she was. Okay. And she had it, and and um, I went in, mm-hmm. and I was like. I was like, "Fuck!" I gave it to her. Like, yeah. I gave. They, she got that from me. The 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 like when you drop your kids off for school the first time and and they're and they're they don't know anyone and they're gonna make friends. All those bullshit things you had as a kid just rear back up and oh. you become this. I mean, it ruins your. Day, Georgia was playing. With, yeah, I didn't even think of that. I was in I was in Richmond, Virginia, uh-huh. and I got a call from Leanne. Georgia just gotten into new school, and I said, "How's she doing?" We mm-hmm. thought she was doing great. She goes, Bert, she's playing with the special needs kid. Oh, no, no. And I started, I got really upset. Oh. I'm, like, I'm like, she's a good looking kid. She's really confident. She's really cool. She was brand new to this school and she entered in second grade, but she had befriended the special needs kids. And so obviously, clearly. Which I'm is not, so beautiful. You're like, yeah. I'm so glad she's that I, I person. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Oh, well, no, you get I'm there. thinking of Georgia and I'm going on stage and I'm very, I don't. When I do stand up, it's a very open book. I will go up and talk about whatever's going on in my life at that moment. Yeah, not a lot of jokes. I don't really. I haven't written <laughs> right. a joke in a very long time. Guys, I hope, I hope everyone tip your waitress. My daughter's playing with a special needs kid. Just found out. Not yeah. worked it out yet. Don't cry, ma'am. Please stay here. It was, just... <laughs> it was beautiful because this woman said exactly what you said. Mm. You should be proud of your daughter because think of the special needs kids' parents. Yeah, they've got their daughter's playing with one of the cool kids at school. From what you're saying. 
and now she's going to be accepted because your daughter will find the path and that's your daughter's friend and then think of how great that is and I didn't see it that way because I was just this. No, but my first instinct too was like, fuck, she's going to be an outcast Yes, because no one's telling her, no, 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 honey, not that you shouldn't play with them. Oh, oh God, that's so fucking accurate. Yeah, but it's like, it's not, I'm not saying don't play with them, be very nice to them but you're now going to be scarlet lettered if that's the expression Yes, and now you're going to get made fun of and it's a cruel fucking world and good it's so great that you're ah but the world isn't as good as you and god damn it there can, can there be a middle ground like, can you have some friends and then you're nice to the special needs kids but you can't just be the only you can't because there's something the special needs kids relate on and with each other that she doesn't have right and but it, you, exactly what you're saying it's like i don't like i don't uh I'll, I'll use uh chelsea as an example only because she's a i think people uh see she, her perspective I'll, I'll use you as an example uh-huh. uh I don't know what happened to you as a kid. Right. But I am guaranteed that there were probably, I'm going to say a handful of really uh, divisive, decisive moments where you interacted with someone and your feelings were hurt. They were broken and you didn't go to anyone and you nursed them yourself and that changed your perspective about life, allowing you to have a voice on stage that is absolutely enjoyable. I would never... I don't because I don't care about you as a little kid. I, I didn't know you. Yeah, I would never want to change those for you because I like what I got now. Like that, yeah, yeah. getting to hear you talk about things. I like that. So whatever that is, I'm I almost applaud that because I'm glad that happened because it created who you are. Yeah. same to me. Same to any. But comic. you don't have that perspective when you're in it with your right. kids. Yeah, and, and I don't want her to go through it. Yeah, I'd rather her just work in a fucking mailroom. Because you, you listen, you can get that perspective other places. Like I had. You know, a couple moments where I was a real outcast. By the time I was a teenager, I was fine because then it was cool to be one and you found your other outcast friends. I'm thinking uh, the Smiths. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 14 years old, it's like the Smiths. Then you got like... <laughs> Susie and the Banshees. Exactly. Then you got like... Um, there was culture was like on my side too. You know, you have movies like Heathers and you have Nirvana and all that. That was like my teenage years. So, that's a very cool sentence. Culture yeah. was on my side. Don't you think? I, yeah. Well, I was a boy, so I did connect with Heathers, but uh-huh. it made me feel like I might be gay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like I, at one point I had to take down, like I had pictures of Duran Duran <laughs> on my wall. I was like, I think I'm going to have to take this shit down. That's just time anyway. Yeah. Like, it's just too late in life. Yeah. But it's one of those things where there's a few moments where there was a really mean kid who was like a terrorist. And he was really mean to me. And the way he treated me made me go, well, I never want to treat anyone like this. And there were these two weird girls that used to bark and bite people and had weird un- like scabs all over their arms that we could not figure out why. Yeah. It looked like they constantly had chicken pox. These two weird girls. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to hang out with them. Not just because of social pressures, but I have nothing in common with them. <laughs> but I will never treat them the way this kid treated me. So I was always like the friend to the weirdos, like St. Francis of Assisi and their animals. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just friends with them. Enough so, like, okay, once a week, maybe I'll go to your house, but let's not get too close. But I worked those relationships to be a good person, but I really didn't want to do it. And I would, sometimes they would be like, why aren't you there for us in these moments? And I'm like, ah, like I sold one of them out. I did something wrong and I told them that Emily did it because I knew they'd believe it because she's weird. So I was always like really empathetic to the weird, the truly weird kids because of what I'd gone through, but I didn't really want to hang out with them either. So it's that kind of thing where it's like, I'm glad I had to, my parents didn't say do this, do that. Like they were, this was all going on in my own head. So it's good. Your daughter will do something. But yeah, you don't want her like ostracized. People probably think we're awful saying hanging out was. No, no. I, ours, ours was very. Um, I mean, boys, it was very physical. You just get beat up. 
Oh, see, I had that too. I was, I think I might be somewhere inside more of a man. Like the boys were mean to me, not the girls. I didn't have the snobby girls mean this. They kind of excluded me and they'd be like, you're weird, but we all took ballet together after school. So that kind of neutralized us because yeah. I was good at it and they weren't. And I kept their secret that they sucked. You were know, you an attractive mean? kid. Not really. What did you get like hot? Last year. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'll show you pictures. I really, I probably was, but I made myself unattractive. But um, I swear to God, I didn't, because I had a really awkward kid and my eyes were too far apart. I just was buck teeth. I just had a weird face. I was underweight to the point where like they thought I had leukemia. I would get tested for like, I was like scrawny, like it was so unattractive and the boys were really mean to me. There was something about me that ignited the boys. They were very mean to me and I would end up fighting them. I would just get in fist fights. It was always a cr- like I had run-ins with girls a lot. Mm-hmm. I had a really hard time understanding the fairness and equality. I had a really hard time oh. saying with like with the Hey, I'm a boy. I'm not allowed to cry. Right. Hey, I'm a boy. I'm not allowed to hit the girls, but they could hit me and then they could cry. And then I had to like, I was like, wait, we're this because like our our generation is the first generation where we were raised Uh and you could get good grades just like me and you could go to law school just like me. Yeah. Like before that, it was like, well, yeah, good luck getting good grades. You're gonna make a great nurse. You know? Like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And so and so I <laughs> – and I was raised with my sisters. Mm-hmm. And so I was always taught equality. And then you'd go into the thing. And I remember Sam Dubin used to fuck me up. Like we would get in fights and she'd scratch me and I'd go – I remember I hit her one time uh-huh. and they were like, you can't hit a girl. I was like, wait, we're equal. Why yeah, can't we yeah, I never – <laughs> We weigh – we both weigh 65 pounds. Like right, there's not right. a big difference here. Uh, but and, – and so I always had a hard time figuring that out and then – and then by the time I, I kind of wrapped my head around it, I started, I realized I was straight and I was like, holy shit. Like that moment where you go, oh shit, I'm into girls. Jennifer Stevens was, I'm a big foot person. Um, oh, that's so Jennifer funny. Stevens. And I told this on like a, I don't know where, but I should have never told it. It got out. Played, <laughs> so used to play you. with her uh, foot. I grew up in Florida. So uh-huh. like tan feet. Oh yeah. We're like, the, you had to have tan feet. Everyone wore sandals. And she would play with her shoe in Mr. Yarnell's class and she sat one seat in front of me and I sat like on, on the side row and I watched it and I remember at that moment I was like two things. Number one, I like girls yeah. a lot and this could fuck up my life. And number two, <laughs> I really like feet. Why would it fuck up your life to because, like girls? Because, well, man, once you realize... Oh, because like, you don't... It's so intense. You're I was like, just am I going to be able to hold down a job? Like, yeah. yeah. I was like... I was like well, I, Did she have a toe ring? No. Oh. No, toe rings didn't show up in Florida until like, until like 90... Probably 89, 88. Oh, I just saw this thing online that I thought of. Jane Fonda was giving some speech somewhere about something. And she was like, we have to stop um, not being there for our boys. Like you said, like yeah. it's such a big deal. Women can cry. They can they can do whatever. They can experience all emotions. And guys aren't supposed to. And then then women feel bad because it's like, oh, you're just emotional. Like, that's bad. Yeah. Like, oh, you couldn't run the country. You're emotional. It's like, yeah, everyone's fucking emotional. We're all yeah. humans. We're all crazy. And then guys have nowhere to put it, so they have to stuff it down. Then you shoot up a fucking school. Like, so it's that kind of thing where it's like somewhere we got to teach young boys, like, it's okay. You're not like a queer fag or girl. Yeah. You know, like, everyone has emotions. It has to be, like, taken off the genders. I don't know how it got that way. Because everyone, you look at, like, what I was always laugh when people say, like, woman couldn't be president. You look at John Boehner, who's, like, crying. Every, and then it's, like, awesome 
like I'm glad sure cry if you want but like everyone's crazy and emotional especially in heated situations like politics or growing up like it's it bums me out that like boys were probably walking around so like I can't express anything like that's heartbreaking our dog we have a dog we have a bull mastiff Mm. um big like 130 pounds oh my god I'm so scared don't let me see and she's gorgeous she's the sweetest dog she's had a lot of medical problems blew out her one knee Blew out her ACL. That blew out her like other so knee. So much work. So much money. Oh, I can't do. I can't I, even. I can't even. I. You could guess how much we pay for this dog, and I could double it. That's how much we pay. I but don't want a pet for I these love reasons. this. Yes, that's what my dad said. This is why you don't get a goddamn dog because they fucking just die. And I was like, well, the same could be said for kids. Like, that's true. I mean, the argument could be passed around, but I. So we get a call from the doctor. We go in there. Her other lady's knees messed up, and the doctor says, "Listen, if I, I'm going to go in and look at it, but if it's that bad, mm-hmm. I think we should put her down." And I fall apart, but I can't because George is here, and I can't let George see me cry because it's. I'm, well, you can't. Yeah, with the. So it's not good for her to see that. We go through. We go through the day, and finally they realize they go, "We can fix her. It's going to be a lot of money." And I go, oh, "Money's no not a problem. Yeah, just do it." So I go into the front yard and I cry by myself in the front yard. <laughs> And Leanne comes out. She sees me crying. And I, by the way, it's one of my favorite, uh, such a great m- like little movie moment uh-huh. is I'm crying and I'm trying to tell her why I'm crying. And I'm trying to tell her that I didn't say goodbye to Priscilla. And had she been put down, I would have never got to say goodbye to her. Oh, yeah. But, I, but I, when I laugh, I squeal. And when I cry, I squeal. And I'm crying and I'm going... <laughs> and Leanne's looking at me and she's trying to be like there for me. And then she stopped. She goes, honey, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and I started laughing. But I came inside and the girls had seen that I was crying. And they were like, and they were like, oh. they were like, what's going on? And I was like, nothing. Everything's fine. Priscilla's going to be fine. And we told them and told me we might have to put her down, but it's not going to happen. And they cried. Mm-hmm. And then they looked at me and go, daddy, are you going to cry? And I was like, no. And they're like, you can cry. And I was like, no, I can't. Because I'm broken. Because when I was a little boy and I wanted to cry, somehow that muscle, that, yeah, it doesn't that work. crying kegel muscle or whatever, just tightens up and I can't cry in front of people. I can cry by myself. Even when I cry by myself, I think I'm acting like a fool. Oh, no, that's silly. You should be able to cry by yourself. Well, it is. I don't know the rules on when you should let your kids see you cry because I will say this defining moment in my life. It's really sad. See, your dad, seeing your dad cry? Yeah. Oh, I want to hear this. Okay. I might cry telling it. I probably won't. So my dad has five brothers and a sister they all all the brothers irish? uh no actually polish and uh english are you, are, i have are no you, irish are you, in me. Are, you, are you jewish I, I always thought you were jewish for some reason and then you said no. go home for christmas and i went oh okay. no no catholic mom and okay um my mom's heritage is like french canadian german definitely not jewish and my dad is like english and Pol- but kirk man sounds jewish but the kirk part is yeah the english part anyway so uh, 1986, I'm 11 years old. My sisters are older, so I'm kind of an only child. They don't live at home. My dad has five brothers and a sister. They all live in like northern Massachusetts, like Lowell, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. My pa- par- parents live somewhere else. So about a 45-minute drive from where his parents lived. Okay, so my grandfather, big fat guy, big cook, whatever, goes to the doctor. He's like, I have a stomach ache. They're like, oh my God, you have stomach cancer. It's everywhere. Your whole body is just cancer. You have like six weeks to live. Okay, so great. So then he starts going downhill really fast and he's like collapsed and it's 
time. He's in the hospital. It's morphine drip. I don't even know if they did that. I mean, usually you get a week or something with that kind of, it's time to just let him die nicely in the hospital. It was like 12 hours to go, you know? So that kind of thing. My dad got the news. He raced to the hospital. Every one of his siblings and his mom was there when his dad passed away. And my dad missed it by like 10 minutes. And he walked in and they were just like, he's gone. Like he wasn't even in the bed anymore. And he was just like, he, I guess he was devastated. So he comes home, he drives home, he's home within like an hour and I'm sitting at the dining room table doing homework and I look out the window and my dad, I've never seen him physically vulnerable either. He's a greenskeeper, always active on trucks. You know, he trips up the steps in grief and just falls on his face my mom comes outside, picks him up under the arms. He's just slumped over. And he goes, I didn't say bye to my daddy. And I was like, oh, my That almost made me cry. God. Like, I didn't say bye to my daddy. And then he just looked at me in the eyes and goes, my daddy's dead. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I was free to burn his grave. You're getting really close to getting me to cry. Okay, right? so that was it. But I was like... It was too young. It was too young. And he didn't do anything wrong. But I was having like anxiety attacks at the funeral. I was like, everybody's going to die. Parents get sad. Oh. No one can protect me. Oh, my God. You know, and, and, then, and then you go to these dumb Catholic fucking speaking of Catholic funerals where they, they have already dug the grave and they lower the coffin in, in front of everyone. I don't want to think about that. Yeah, I don't need to see that. Let's just leave her at the, leave her at the, whatchamacallit, and just walk out. Yeah, exactly. And I was just like, I remember I couldn't eat for a week and I started having anxiety. That's where my anxiety started. Jesus. Oh my God. So I'm like, I don't know if it's right to cry. Maybe for a dog, it's okay to cry in front of your kids. Because dogs are cute and it's like, oh, it's so sad. But like, don't. Dude, I. I hope your grandparents no, are dead already. No, my. Your parents, I mean. My, 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 my grandmother, uh, when she was dying. My uncle Jerry and my dad called me. I was doing radio in Tampa, uh-huh. and uh, that was a great place to get. I was on radio <laughs> and we were partying, and it was like some uh-huh. some listener had sent in uh, a envelope full of pills, and we were trying to figure out. I mean, we were having fun. We were drinking <laughs> champagne. My buddy Cowhead. It's one. It's a fun. Uh-huh. It's the one. This was like the heyday of Cowhead because yeah. he wasn't the number one show in the market. I've never market heard of him. I love his name's Cowhead. Oh, it sounds like a fake. You love Cow? Do you ever go do Tampa? I haven't done Tampa. I've done uh, West Palm Beach. Okay, do you go do Paul and Young Ron? No, what's that? You'd love them. Oh, okay, I'll do it. <clears throat> um, so, um, so a lot of times I get out of radio stuff because we announce it on Chelsea, so they won't make me do the radio in the morning. Well, good. Luck. <laughs> <laughs> you can have some of my dates too. <laughs> well, now it's now it's kind of waning because I don't know. I just I still think morning radio is a way to go locally. It's it's fun. Yeah. You you end up. I actually really like doing great it. connections. Yeah, you, and there are shows that I'd be like, ah, I wouldn't do that one, but yeah. Cowhead's one that you could go. If in. People are fun. I don't like yeah. when people are bitter, and you can tell they wanted to be a comedian, and they're just being shitty in yeah. the morning. You're like, okay, stop. But if yeah. they're just like, I am this person in this town, and I love my position, mm-hmm. and I'm so psyched, people are here to talk to me. Like that's that, Paul like Young that. Ron. That's Cowhead. That's yeah. the regular guys. That's there's a lot of really oh, I great. Think I did the regular. Elliot, guys. You ever done Elliot in the morning? No. Oh, the you, regular guys are in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, love them. I did. Yeah. I think I did two mornings. I think I just came back because it was so fun. They're, they're my favorite. They're great. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, that's Larry. Is a you and Larry would get along so. Fucking I think well. we did. I remember. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Because Larry went through a divorce and then 
gotten great shape and he feels like a Oh, that's right. Yeah. When I was there, I was not divorced yet and I was thinking of leaving and I couldn't say anything. So I was very distracted when I was there. And um, they kept going, you're married, you're married. And I was like, huh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you decide to get the divorce? Yeah, I hate to say that because I don't want my husband to sound like some man that was wronged. We both were not into it. Really? But I, like, he's Irish. And what happened was I said, this, I don't, think we want to be married and he was like oh i'm glad you said something i never would have i'm irish I'm like <laughs> okay great so it was that kind of thing like so wait, we both fucked up i, I want to tell the story about my grandma, oh yeah tell the story no, but, yeah no but but i'm more interested if you had to i will tell my name you tell your name like if you had the prototype comedian that you find attractive sexy mm-hmm. funny that you're like i really would have always hooked up i, I like i'm attracted to that guy he can be working. I'll tell you my name. The okay. first one I ever went, I was like, oh shit, I got a fucking crush on her. Who? Janine Groffalo. Oh, really? So okay. intensely. Chubby Janine, drinking Janine, skinny Janine, smoking Janine, any, all of any them. Any combination. And, and then I met her one time and she wouldn't shake my hand. Like I brought her up on stage. She was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, Ugh. but I still, I'm, uh, to this day, I like, I watch her on stage and I'm, I think she's hilarious. Uh-huh. But that was like my, like, that's like my so like who would yours be? Well, I feel like I dated a lot of comedians when I was starting out, but they're not anyone anyone know. Mine is okay. Let me really think because I'm always like bummed. There's no like se- I feel like comedians were sexy or like the men were. Yeah. So my mine I feel like it's a cop out because it's older, and I'm going to say like this version, but like '80s Richard Lewis. Really, David Letterman. Even now, I know he's not like a comic, but yeah, um, Howard Stern. These are like my huge crushes, and I would really? like to be with people that are like them. And then I'm trying to think, um, all right, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Who? Lenny Bruce. I, I'm not this person that even enjoys all of his material. I just thought he was sexy. I like a New York Jewish kind of guy that's neurotic and contemplative, that's maybe so minus the heroin. But I thought he had kind of like a groovy look and he's like, just kind of, se- I don't mean, just someone that has like a sexual energy on stage. Every comic now is like plaid shirt, fucking hat, like, uh, where's my notes? It's just like, yeah. come on, get, you have a dick, use it. Like be sexual. <laughs> like yeah. if Russell Brand wasn't so disgusting to me, like him, yeah. like that's the closest I would say. Like I like his weird snake, like charming energy. Yeah. So like that kind of person. But I know there's someone on the, t- cause I was talking about this with someone, even an old Richard Pryor thing I was watching. I was like, he looks fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. My mother, you don't, don't say that. One time my mom said something so accidentally racist. We were talking about, oh, it was when my dad was in the hospital. It was Valentine's Day. And my mom and my two sisters were all divorced, all the girls. We we're all having dinner with my mom. And we we're talking about men that we're attracted to. And my sister Linda just was like, did you ever date a black guy? I'm like, no, I mean, I would, yeah. but I just haven't. And I go, um, I just haven't, you know? And she was like, and my mom was sitting there. I go, I actually have a black friend. He's like really handsome. And I never thought of him that way, but not because he's black, but just because he's um, flaky, you know? Yeah. And my mom goes, he's not your type. I go, you've never met him. You have no idea who I'm talking about. She goes, I can tell he's not your type. I go, because he's black. I didn't say that, but it's like, that's what she said. But anyway, I mean, I think those would be my, I like a seventies kind of vibe. Like I still have things for like guys in bell bottoms and feathered hair. Really? But I don't want someone to look like that ironically, like a hipster. Yeah. But these people don't exist. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying I... to think of someone now like... <sighs> My friend has a crush on Louis C.K., which I do not get. Um, this, I don't want to say, but it's probably closer to it. But he's a friend of mine, and I have never once been attracted to him. Ever. 
Would never touch him, not attracted to him. And he's crazy. But there's something about like a Mark Marin energy that I think is attractive. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of thoughtful, smart, like he talks about like, how do I get my genes to fit perfectly? But also like, I'm reading this great book on death. Like that kind of thing is my type. Yeah. Minus his issues. I don't, I, I have very good taste. I don't go for damaged people unless it's the usual amount of damage. So Regular like that, damage. but that kind of energy and vibe is. Yeah, I can see that. I, I was, I was always attracted to Morgan Murphy. Oh, well, I'll tell her. No, I'm not. Yeah, but yeah, please, <laughs> someone will. I guarantee you. <laughs> I just said it on. The I internet. think she would, lo- I no, think she I, would I, love. No, I that. always thought she was really sexy, and like, and and I and I got along with her really well. Yeah. So I could talk to her, and I was like, I was like, I was like, wow. And she always has the most interesting perspective, and yeah. she and she was fun in that she would break my balls. Like I had this joke where I was talking about my wife giving birth and about her episiotomy. I didn't even know what it was at the time. Oh, yeah. it was Italian food. Oh, and then- sorry. I'm t- I just <laughs> forgot. My number... I can't believe I said this. Go on. I have my person, but no, I'll tell you after. Rather, no, no, go. No, no. I'd rather hear that no. than mine. No. Everyone's like, Bert, I've heard this a million times. I haven't. Tell me. Uh, so, but it's a, some n- newspaper took a picture of me bending over, pointing to my asshole to the audience, and it's me. It It is... And she like te- copied it and then tweeted me, and she's like, Wow. Must be working on some real new think material or something. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I just got caught. It's like, I was, but anyway, who's your Did guy? Did you guys, um, this is my current crush. I would go out with him in four seconds. I have, he's always been one of my favorite comics and I always forget to cite him as an influence on me. And I think he's adorable, the funniest person ever. And yes, I think he's sexy. Hold on. Hold on. Let me guess. Okay. Okay. Um, LA comic. Um, now he is. Now he is. Um, but not, I mean, he's been here forever because he works in TV. Oh, he works in TV. He's on like a, he's Jimmy been Kimmel. on like a million sitcoms. No. No. Uh, a million sitcoms. Do you want any more hints? Yeah, any more He was hints. on SNL. Oh, um, is it, uh, is it the guy? I don't know. I don't David really David Spade. Oh, really? I've always Shut had a thing. Up. I'm the only girl that doesn't notice height. People are like he's short. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I like a guy. I mean, I'm five five. Like so normal. like, I don't think he's like. He's like five short. six or five seven or five eight or yeah. something. But I'm still three inches shorter than that. So who cares? I like the these little tiny androgynous people. I don't know. It's just my thing. So I have always thought he was cute. His special take the hit is like my. I just think it's great. Yeah. He really nails the like vulnerable stories of childhood. But he's so. I just think he's effortlessly cool. And I have always had a crush on him and when i met him once it was fucking heartbreaking because he's friends like i'm really good friends with todd glass and david and todd are like best buddies yeah and and he just kind of knows everybody but i've never been around him and one night it was years ago i was doing a show at the upright citizens brigade theater it was just like a stand-up show i was dropping in to work on new stuff came in for 10 minutes it was brody stevens and david spade backstage and i walk in and brody's like jen good to see you and he's like, do you know David? And I'm like, no. I said, but I was about to be like, oh, but I love you. And he goes, hey, do you know what time, do you know what order it is and when I'm on? And I go, no. And I go, they usually have a sign up here somewhere. He's like, yeah, where did you put the sign? Like, he just thought I worked there. Because I don't know, because he didn't recognize me yeah. as a comic. And then I seemed to have some authority backstage. And I was just like, oh, I don't work here. And he's like, oh. And Brody's like, Jen's a funny comic. I'm like, oh, don't even get... He has no idea that I really am like yeah. an established person that's been around. Like he doesn't know. He doesn't want to hear him. Like it's it's over. We needed to be introduced, 
at a party. We were all laughing. You know what I mean? He's already fucked, guys. Yeah, the shark's fucked. in the water. So he was like, oh, nice to meet you. I'm like, yeah, I love your stuff. So then I, I, that's it. I have only met him once, and he has no idea I'm a comic. Or he is someone I would love to – I would – like, he's one of those guys where I got – I got um, – I've always felt like I've never like I I submitted I I always wanted to be a writer on a show. Uh huh. Um, it wasn't my path, and I I understand that now. But when I was younger, yeah, I was like I was like I'm I very quickly can write jokes. I just don't do it for me because I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy I'm telling. I'm the same them. way. I love to write quick jokes for other people that I would oh, never say in a heartbeat. I, yeah. I and and um and so and I'm obsessed with entertainment. Like mm. I, when I go to Google News, I hit the entertainment button and that's what I want. I don't look at sports, although I enjoy sports. Yeah. I don't read about sports. I don't have jokes for sports. I don't care about that. Yeah. I love entertainment. I love gossip stuff. So I, David Spade had the Hollywood. Oh, the Hollywood thing. Not the minute, but the other yeah, thing. Yeah. The Hollywood show. Hollywood show. Yeah. I, I wanted to write on that too. And so I called my agent at uh-huh. the time, ICM, and I said, I was like, I want to write for it. And they're like, mm-hmm. you're not a writer. I was like, I know you don't think I'm a writer, that's but... That's such a dumb thing to say. No, that's why it's I'm like not with them. I'm sorry, your client is trying yeah. to nail down a job that can make you a percentage every week, and don't tell them what... Those yeah. fucking idiots. It's, I, think they, I think there's more money... I, was, I ha- had more money to make them in being on camera and not being behind uh, oh, the scenes. Oh, sure, yeah. And I th- I'm sure that's what they were trying to say. But I said, look, I've got a, I've got a kid. I want to say I had two kids maybe at the time. Yeah. I've got plenty of time. I'm doing the road. I will hop off the road, spend time with my family, and write yeah. for David Spade, and I can write banana. Like, uh, trust me. Yeah. And they were like, "All right, we'll give you a submission." So I get the submission. I write it. It is, I mean, it was really, I, it was, I was really proud of it. Yeah. Send it in, and they're like, um, "They want to meet with you." And oh, I was awesome. like, Hugh Fink, I think was had, oh yeah, running the show. I was like, really? And they're like, they they really like your submission. Um, they want to meet with you, and then I got a TV show. Oh. And, and so I, but. Um, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it was on Spike, <laughs> and they were like, and and they were like, you're not gonna you just do the TV show; it's more money. Yeah, but I, oh, I was like, I you really been thought happy doing that. I, I would have loved it because I yeah. like his voice, and I could have written for his voice really easily because it's not mine. I like stand up; I can write stand up that's not for me very easily. Yeah, my stand up is super personal, and it's really hard because I have a, it's like they're kind of huge. Uh, tentpole stories you know like yeah uh, and 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 i and and they're really outrageous you know and so i want to make sure that i stay as close to the truth if it was if it wasn't me like that's why people can tell one of my stories and make it better because they don't really care about the facts right they're not like well that didn't really happen yeah i get that way too i get obsessive about i can't exaggerate it has to be this really happened yeah i I, you know i don't want to be the guy where i i I'm so concerned with people thinking I'm lying because they're so outrageous yes. that I don't ever want to be that guy. And so I am married to the facts and I can't pull them out. And sometimes the truth is a story doesn't end funny. Yeah. And you- <laughs> you're like, well, I hope you enjoyed the middle. Yeah. The middle part was great, right? <laughs> but I think that's fine. I hate this whole thing. It has to have a big ending. It has to have a big ending. Sometimes it doesn't. That's what's like, oh, that's interesting. But I am, I'm like that too. I get mad when people are like, did you make that up? I'm like, no. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm like, no, I'm, I don't want to lie to anybody on stage for some bizarre reason. I'm obsessed with that kind of stuff. I don't like my least favorite kind of comedy. And I feel like I feel like old lady time. It's like the younger kids who uh, something about them. Like, I don't know when this happened and it might not have even happened. I might be making it up. There was a shift in comedy after I'd already started doing it for a while where suddenly the comic had to present themselves as the winner of a situation. And I'm like, like, um, that was my problem with, uh, 
and I think Dane Cook is really funny, but I had a problem with some of his bits where he ends up being like, so I did that to that guy. Like the, the bit about the atheism and it, the tree turns into something, sneeze and bless you. He has this big bit that he did in the round at Madison Square Garden. It's something, it's funny, but it's about why can't I say bless you? And so this happens and this happens. And it's this big story in the end where his argument wins that there is a God or something like that. But I'm like, like, I don't like when the person is triumphant unless they were sucking and failing and failing and failing in the story. And then they accidentally came through victorious. But a lot of stuff like that, or someone's like, you know what I do to people? I just trip them. And then I'm like, nah. and then they fall. And I'm like, yep, that's what I do. Like that kind of energy. It, I think that was like a big thing I saw happening. There was, like, that was a big, that was a really big, um, that was a re- really big movement. I know I definitely had my version of that at the time I had a joke with Dimitri where we were on a subway and a bunch of black dudes walked in uh-huh. and Dimitri is Dimitri he went to fucking Yale he has no not a racist bone in his body yeah. I grew up in the south the segregated south and I noticed it and then I yeah. got off the train Dimitri didn't get off and he was like this isn't my stop and I was like do you want to sure you don't want to come with me <laughs> and he's like no and so then I jokingly went, stuck my head back in the train and go alright Dimitri I'll see you at the rally on Thursday white power and the black guys fucking lost it and it was a true story and Dimitri oh, that's- that yeah. story that's yeah. really funny but that's yeah. not you being victorious that's you being like a silly prankster but I'll, I'll tell you something that's really fascinating you say that uh, that wasn't my voice that was just something i did with dimitri i thought was funny yeah on stage you mean they lost it laughing the black guys yeah, yeah. Oh, the black okay. guys thought it was hilarious um i that's not quite what i mean at all what the winner stuff i don't oh, think no, that's no no it. no yeah. but i know what you're saying yeah and i had a meeting i called in with the donner uh richard donner the film producer Oh, I don't know the name. Donner. I'm dumb. I don't know I anything. Want, I want to say it's Donner. He did like uh, Goonies and... Oh, okay, okay. I got called in. They wanted to have a meeting. Mm-hmm. They had heard one of my stories that someone else was telling mm-hmm. and they heard that they heard that story and they and and they wanted to meet because of that. And I went, that's interesting. It was yeah. a weird kind of like... I, and, and the machine story. I don't know if you've heard the machine story. When I was in college, I robbed a train with the Russian mafia. And so... No. Yeah, it's 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 the reason i have a book it's the reason oh it's a, i love it's a, it it's a really good story I, i've heard of it because the yeah. machine sounds familiar so i go I into the meeting uh-huh. and the guy goes you know i i heard you know the tracy morgan story and, and oh I heard yeah the, i know that i heard story. the um machine story and when i heard the machine story i went bert wrote the tracy morgan that bert that's that happened to bert and yeah. i went how did you i had said nothing i yeah. said how did you know that and he goes because it's your voice he goes, you know who you are? You're the moron that gets involved in crazy things and you just kind of don't do anything and you just kind of hang out and witness it all. And I was yeah. like, and he goes, you get caught up in crazy moments and he was telling me about me and I didn't realize I did that, but that totally is. I have a hard time saying that I said the joke. A lot of times I will write a joke uh-huh. and then say, my buddy said that in the story. Interesting. I don't want to be the, I don't want people to think I think I'm funny. Right, right. Because then... They smell it, and then now you have to prove it even more. It'd be funny. Right. It's actually it's easier. Always to give the other person the joke. Yeah. I, to the point where I will tell jokes that I wrote uh-huh. that I'll say, oh, my buddy's got a good joke, and I'll tell my joke because I'm weird telling like, hey, like I, it's too vulnerable for me. Well, also, it's like you are kind of – sometimes people don't want to laugh. at the. They want to laugh because you're accidentally funny. It's like everyone's ego watching is like, let me figure out if you're funny. Don't yeah. tell me your best stuff. Like, I mean, obviously you're doing your best stuff when you're performing, yeah. but if you were like, oh, I said this funny thing once, it's only funny if you're like, but I was also shitting my pants in a diaper <laughs> at a train station while I said it. And they're like, ah, that's great. But yeah, I think people that's, don't like that. But it's interesting that you saw that because I definitely saw that. I 
called it, and I'm not I'm not saying it's Dane, and I'm not saying, but it was Party Fun Boy stuff. There was a Party Fun Boy era oh, of comedy okay. that I didn't connect with, although that's who I was. That I and I'm not saying it's Dane, I'm, but there was a com- yeah, because like, I'm thinking of a different type of thing where it's more like. Um, cool hip it was a rolling of, stone likes you kind of comics i yeah. could say names but i won't <laughs> we like when we whisper over yeah. the microphone yeah. <laughs> or stories like i hung out with this celebrity and it was really cool like that's nah, why is that funny yeah i i don't like uh i've, n- I've never gotten into that and i and i to the point where it's like even like even like promoting the book and stuff i have a hard time like putting myself out there like I'm not a self-promoter. I'm yeah. not the kind of guy that, you know, look, I've met famous people, but I'm the kind of guy that goes, I met them, now I'm just going to go back and have that one experience with them because I'm not the kind of guy that would call them. Oh, I know, but there's people out there who like, because uh, I've been in situations where me and some people have met a famous person and they're that now they're friends with that person. I'm like, how did you go next level? Kevin, I mean, look, and I love Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart was on a private jet with Ludacris. I'm like, Kevin Hart was like a regular comic that I knew in New York. I'm like, how do you get to that level yeah, you're just where good you with... become friends with famous people? I've never... You seem like the type of person they would want around, that you would be just inducted into an entourage. I would love... I always wanted to be a part of an entourage. <laughs> but like, I don't have that... Like, Elliot, I met Elliot Gould. I had a pilot with him. Uh, and he was gave me his number. And he's like, let's keep in touch. And he'd call. And every time he called, I'd be like, this is fucking weird. And then he's like, we went to dinner one night. <laughs> And I was like, is he trying to fuck me? Like, how's this work? Yeah, totally. Like, I never, I never, I can't can maintain no. famous friends. I had like one famous person incident and it was like, she's like, oh, let's have dinner. Let's Ooh. have dinner. And I was like, um, Winona Ryder. I, Shut up. Yeah. I, cause oh I did, God. cause I did drunk history. Um, did you ever see the one, you know, drunk history, right? I do. I do. Um, I'm trying to think of the one you did. Cause I know I saw Oh my it. God. How have you not done when you'd be great? Uh, I don't know. I don't um, know. I should tell Derek, they just did their second season. I did a bunch, but the last one I did was on Comedy Central, and it was about some lady in Boston, Mary Dyer, that was yes, like I saw it. religious freedom, whatever. Yeah. And they got Winona to play her. And then at the premiere party for the show, which they weren't even showing the episode I was in, my friend Derek, who created the show, like kind of got close with her when they were filming. Because I don't meet the people when they're reenacting yeah. the part. And so he invited her so anyway he somehow told me she's reading your book and she loves it and she texted me is jen gonna be at the party i want to meet her and i'm like no fucking way he told me that after he surprised us by having us meet so i get to the party early i don't really know anybody i'm hiding in the bathroom and it's in this like beautiful kind of church thing the wilshire Abel theater and then i come down the stairs in this like weird hallway and it's literally like how you would want to meet Winona Ryder she's in this black dress with these boots her hair is all crazy and she's running up the stairs like an angel bat you know what I mean like in a belfry and I'm like and she just stops and goes it's you and I go no it's you and then we just (laughs) hugged and I go I have loved you my whole life I mean you're my whole like teenage existence is all your movies and she's like she's this weird kind of famous person that's like no bullshit way too vulnerable you just want to like carry her around and be like you know you're not supposed to be this nice to everyone right like she was just like no thanks and she was like i really like your book and i sent some friends in san francisco to see your show last month and i'm like why didn't they come up to me like weird yeah weird mutual enjoyment and i'm not saying that to brag i'm just saying like it was a wonderful moment so she's very like then her hand holds mine clamping down pulling me doesn't let go for hours and then the person kind of running the party was like, 
I'll get you guys a private table. Like, so we had this little private table after people are just having drinks, but like, you know, it's like passed around food, but the table we had like had food set on it and drinks and whatever. So someone kept catering to us thinking this is Winona's friend that she brought. And we just talked all night. And then, of course, every nerdy comedy dude comes over. Hey, Jen. I'm like, get out of here. You're yeah. trying to meet fucking Winona. Yeah. Like, get, get, go away. <laughs> hey, Jen's good seeing you guys. Yeah, oh, hey. get out of here. Hey, your hair looks really good. Who's your friend? Is this your friend? Oh, is this? Oh, hey. <laughs> so then after, we went to some bar, like, in the valley that, like, no one was at except, like, five other people that we both knew mutually. And so we went there and just like, can we have dinner with hang out and then she would text me like let's have dinner let's hang out and then the text would just be random like did you read this article and whatever and she's like let's have dinner this week but i was too nervous so i kept texting our mutual friend saying let's all three go out to dinner but because his schedule was crazy so funny because his schedule was crazy we couldn't go that week and then she was like going back to new york so i could have just been like yes meet me tonight at blah blah because she's like i want to buy you dinner because i want to thank you for she kind of wasn't understanding what was going on. Like she felt that doing drunk history was really cool and good for her career. Cause she wants to get into TV and stuff. And I had nothing to do with casting her, but she just lumped everyone together. Like, I just want to thank you. And, but then I never just took her up on the dinner really. And now yeah. we're kind of out of touch. Yeah. And so it's one of those things where it's like, ah, I probably could have, but I was so nervous. I wanted to bring my friend. What am I going to yeah. go to dinner with her alone and sit there and, and do what? And just wait for I her mean, to try to kiss you. Yeah. <laughs> weird like why are we hanging out and then like would there be paparazzi bothering her and then what would i do and then would she think i'm just hanging out with her because she's famous because she really is smart we talked about like plays all night and she was fun but i was like i uh, i didn't know what to do it just felt like her life experience is so much better than mine like i have nothing to say to her except that she is so magical and from this world of interesting people because her parents were these like hippies in San Francisco and she's a movie star. She's got such an interesting life that like anything that's not that is interesting to her. She is truly an actress. She's interested in everything. Yeah. But I just felt like I had nothing to bring. So I was like, I'm not going to meet her because it's just going to ruin this beautiful moment where we met and it was cool. Uh, that's so crazy. I, I do that. T- I'm the same way. I, I have a really hard time. Yeah. Like I, and then, and then once the, Friend, like I, I have a hard time texting back. I'll rethink texts right, over right, and over, right. and be like, and then if I text twice and they don't answer, I'm like, never mind, I'm bothering you. And she's like, if you're ever in New York, let me know. And I'm like, I was just in New York a month ago, and I'm in there, and I'm like, picking it up, like, I, I can't text, I can't text her. Oh, that's so- I can't. But I'm like, Jim, just text her. Make she said, just go. Hey, I'm just letting you know I'm in New York. But then I'm like, then what? Yeah. Then what do I do? Like I would, I don't know what I'm afraid that's of. So like she's gonna funny. like do something. I, I just don't want to disappoint her. She has. In, then I would see like pictures of her in the tabloids a week later. Like she's back out, getting her career back. She's hanging out with all these fun. What's she fancy doing people. now? I think she was just in a movie that came out this summer, but it was like a critical hit, but not a big hit. I forget the name. But she was just like in a magazine with like you know all kinds of actresses and stuff. And I yeah. was like at a fashion week, you know, front row, New York City, and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, that's not my. Do you world. wonder then? Do you wonder kind of um, if like if that because I'm the same way uh, like. If that is, because I'm I'm hearing you say that, and then I'm going, wow. I wonder now if that is how I've been acting around people that are somewhat famous. Yeah, is like think about how real you were with that moment, and how many times people probably get her number and text her like crazy, and because yeah, that's all that's out there. That's what she hangs out with. So she's hanging out with these weird people. Then she seeks you out. She gets a genuine person. You don't text her, and that's how a regular person should act. 
Like, right. Yeah. That's, that's regular behavior. Like when, like when people get, like I'll give my number, and I'm not saying that I'm famous, but I'm sure to some people I'm oh, probably absolutely, famous. Absolutely. Yeah. And when they get my number, and you, they text, you know, they don't text. You're like, oh, I would have hung out with that guy. Yeah. The relationship she would have had with you would have been so genuine because you'd have been so fucking real. Yeah. You should text her. Well, I know. You know, the other thing too is like, I think uh, she dropped off too. It's not like she's. Well, yeah, well, she dropped she, off because you're not putting it out there. She could easily. Oh my God, you're like the worst. You're like um, a girl misleading a girl about a guy. No, it ca- <laughs> keep calling him. <laughs> Really? It doesn't. No, but I mean, she could bring it up too, but it's one of those things where she's so busy. She has a life. If she heard from me, if we ran into each other, I'm sure it'd be great. Yeah. But I don't think it would be if I texted her, like, she would have time. But I just, one of those things. Maybe I don't want to get my heart broken. But it was a nice moment in time. I'm honored her number exists in my phone. I have a feeling it's probably not even her number anymore. She didn't know what was going on that night. Like, totally sober, but just like, she just needs help. She's like a fairy. Like, she just had like an assistant with her, like, what's my number? And like, where's this bar? Do I, I have to get on the highway? Get, I would love to get to that place in my life. <laughs> I want a personal assistant so fucking I mean, bad. and also, it was, she knew everything she was doing. But it was that kind of thing where she had just gotten a new phone and someone was helping her. It wasn't she's not like an idiot? I don't mean yeah. it like that. No, it's but, it's it's. There's a certain level of like, and I'll definitely say like 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 my wife runs my life. Yeah. Like she'll like this morning she said um, she's like you have a podcast at eleven with Jen. She was and she knew because I told her she knew she knows all about you. And, uh, I love that. It's and, like getting. It's still creepy. I love it. And she was like, and she was like, <laughs> she. And then she put these things out. She's like, you need to sign these. We're gonna put them in T-shirt sales to promote the book. I want you to sign the Travel Channel ones. Put the date on it. And oh, so yeah. she like loads it up. She's like, uh, in, and like everything is like she's trying to get rid of. I have an obsession with knives, so I have <laughs> I buy knives everywhere I go. And if you're a fan and you don't give me a knife, that sounds really creepy. Fucking, but a, I had a fan give me a knife one time. It was the greatest gift ever. Oh, that's nice. Oh, it was badass. It was like forty bucks. What a ton! He was like, I know you like knives, and he gave it to me. He's like, oh, so. Can you cool. get that on a plane then? Or do no, I just to- put it in my bag. Carry on. Or am oh, I in my, in my uh, luggage? And you can check it, or you can check go- it. Check it. Oh, okay. You know, I was gonna give unsolicited advice for your book promotion please i it's gonna sound manipulative but i don't mean it like i'm the same way with self-promoting like i know just when things get to sheer volume because i had to hire a publicist and i was in every single women's magazine and every article was like i don't want kids and then they write the byline of the article which is like don't tell jen what to do and it was like oh god like you know like it's almost like putting words in your mouth like all the articles that you have to write or that are written about you or whatever and i just felt like i was overexposed and and i wasn't but just to my little twitter community i felt like oh jesus so it can be like white noise and they can be like oh yeah he has a book cool and then they won't buy it because but they just know it's out there and they think Oh, next time I have a thing, a birthday, a Christmas, I'll ask for it. So in that way, it's like people are fine with it, but they get like white noise. Or there's going to be pricks that are like, God, enough promoting or whatever. But what I would do is tell people, I fucking hate doing this. I wrote the book. You're dealing with this big publishing company. I have to be relentless because I know you guys are fans and you see everything I tweet. But there's someone out there in Ohio that doesn't know me. So if I do... 30 articles, maybe one will get to them. Like that's the kind of stuff that that's the way publishing companies work. I would like explain it to people and be like, so I got to keep promoting. Like you guys have been fucking awesome. Thank you. And like do giveaways. Like I would just lay it out on the line of, I hate doing this, but I know you guys get it. And I don't mean it like bullshit your fans. Like they do get it. Yeah. Like, and they're happy for you. People, I got the most responsive people like, 
you have to do this. I get it. Like, of course, like don't yeah. enjoy it. Like most people were like that about it. Once I was like, I hate this, but I have to just do it. Yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm assuming you're like that. Anyway. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to probably explain why I, 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 I always try to think out of the box of like, Oh, what's a great way to promote this. And then I was like, and then I, I think I did something about, Hey, what's, I forget. I don't know. My fucking brain's fried. Do you have, do you have to get out of here? Oh shit! Yes. Oh my okay. god. We've been talking yeah. for so long. We've been talking for almost, almost two hours. I have. Yes. I have. Okay. Like, I, I just know that you have a busy day. And yeah. I, I have literally could talk to you all day long. Is this going to be a double episode? No. 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 Yours just, are long. I'll do one. Yeah. Are I they could, usually this long? Uh. Yeah. I did oh. one with Brody the other day. How is um, he? He's, he's good. He's good. <laughs> he's but he definitely was like had a lot of coffee and and. Towards the end, like we we get like hour and forty five, and I know that I got I can't post anything uh, uh, over three hours. Uh-huh. So I you can tell that I'm starting to wrap it up, and Brody is you know he's just but it's it's so funny because it's Brody and he doesn't he you know it's like it's so interesting what he's talking about because he's it it, it just is one of the more interesting podcasts. Oh yeah, and, all right, and, I'm gonna have to listen to but, it. But uh, but it's it's Brody and. Uh, and and he's, he seems to be in a really good place. He seemed really happy. Oh, good. Okay, that makes me happy. Yeah, I saw. I'm a big fan of Enjoy It. So yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, what do you have to promote? Oh, um, when does this come out? Uh, I'll put it out next week. Oh, cool. Um, Denver. I'll be at the Landmark uh, Comedy Works January 24th and 25th. Perfect. Um, I'm taping a live episode. I have a podcast called I Seem Fun, and so it's on iTunes. It's free. It's an hour a week. I just sit in my room and talk to myself. Oh, oh man, I'm in. It's me I'll talking listen. off the top of my head. Sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's funny. I've done like 30 episodes so far, so it's called I Seem Fun. It's on iTunes or my my website, jenkirkman.com. Go on there, guys. Subscribe, rate, <laughs> oh. and review. It's so easy. We don't review. Just, just oh, say, yours. No, no yours. Oh. Say something really nice. Just subscribe. I always say put, because I always say the worst compliment. I don't know if you ever get these. Once in a while, these happen. Someone just comes up to you. It's like usually a family member or family friend. They come up to you and they go, Hey, I saw you up there. Like they're literally at a comedy show and then they don't compliment you after. I yeah. have my, my, I say aunt to be socially acceptable, but I say aunt, but I feel self-conscious. My aunt's friend <laughs> came to one of my shows. So funny. She came to one of my shows in Austin and she just comes up to me after. My aunt was like, I'm sending people to your show. I'm like, you don't have to. If they don't know me, I don't want them there. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, she came and came up to me after. She goes, I saw you up there. I go, Where? Oh, just here? Yeah, no, I know. I was on stage. She goes, yeah, cool that you get up there. I go, yep, that's part of the Yeah, I just number stand one, up there. Number I one part of the job. <laughs> Got to start up there. So then, And then my aunt wrote me a letter like, my friends thought you were a brat the way you were making fun of married people, but it's a loving act I do about marriage and divorce. And I always talk to couples in the audience and it's funny. Yeah. There, there wasn't being a brat at all. Like I was like, I'm sorry they misunderstood the jokes. Why are we, why, well, can I ask you, why are we even having this conversation? Yeah. I would just, just and I, by the way, yeah. got them free tickets, roped them off in a VIP section, bought them drinks, had two drinks ready at their table. And I was like, what sorry. is fucking wrong with people? It's always family. So I, my, so I always say to my podcast, give it five stars and just write, I listened to the podcast. That's the worst compliment you can give. I love it. Yes. So everyone go on there and go, I listen to the podcast. And then maybe like a dot, dot, dot. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, I, so I would promote that. And I have a live, I'm taping a live version of it in San Francisco, February 8th. Oh, that's great. And then I'm, I'm st- I have to figure out my road schedule for the year. But just go to my website and buy my book. Yeah, buy your book. What's your book title? I can barely take care of myself. I can barely if I go to my website, everything's there. Yeah, go to your website, jenkirkman.com. Yeah, don't watch old stand-up of me, please. 
Why? I hate it. <laughs> if you want to watch stand up, go on YouTube and watch my recent Conan. Otherwise, don't watch anything. Good. It's I. I, I will tell you, it is. Uh, I enjoy watching Jen do stand up. I think you're really funny, and I think you're really great. Like I, wow. I'm. I'm glad. I'm so glad of a couple things in my life, and one of the things I'm most glad is that I had a 13 hour plane flight to think about how to interact with you because I am so proud that I said I need to realize that I screwed up and that we're friends like this now. Because- I love that that's one of the things you're grateful for in life. I would say that, then my kids, then my wife. Yeah, it's, I, shit, it's definitely the, the 13-hour it flight. With goes, the, it goes Jen Kirkman, <laughs> my, my first kid, Leanne, then my second kid. <laughs> um... Uh, thank you so much for Oh, doing thank this. you for I having me. I hope your fans are delighted. Oh, they're going to love this one. Ah. They're going to love this one. Thank you. Bye. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.